Anchor. You can just submit things on there now. So they can go to Anchor and submit stuff to us? They can submit stuff to us, and we can respond to it. Uh, and it's free. It costs nothing, which is pretty sick. Uh, because before, we were just dumping money into a site that would, you know, hold it ransom. I literally had to pay a different site. I had to pay to get in to download our stuff to put it on Anchor. Really? Yeah, I had to pay uh, like $15 because I let it expire to just get our stuff off and put it up on Anchor. And Anchor will never do that. So, all right. Yeah, we just get it all the time. Do you, do you have the app on there? Can we respond through the app? Yeah, you can download the app. You can respond to the things through there. You can edit your podcast through there. You can like you can record it so you can take it to your friend's house and just record it through your phone and post huh. it instantly. And and anyone that eventually chooses to contact us can contact us through there too. So that's Yeah, you can contact us through there. I like that you can uh it, you just put it on there and it puts it on like Spotify and iTunes and Google for you. I don't know. It's made it a lot easier. That's for sure. Yeah. We were, how many hours a week were you putting into like making sure everything got published before? Do you, do you remember? Um, I mean, not a lot of time, but enough time that it's, you know, it's nice having anchor because it's just easier. Okay. See, and this is a switch that I was told about last time, but I, I didn't know that uh, we could communicate with an actual fan base through it. I think that's pretty cool. Yep. Um, and there's advertisements. Yeah. Don't forget about that. You don't even have to have any listeners. So. Yeah. Um, every fucking week with this guy. Every week. Can't ever figure out how to m make the mics work. And there we go. There's the start. Um, All right. So, you decided to become a personal trainer. Yes, I did. How's that going? Sucks ass. Why? Because I'm competent enough and I'm... Okay, so I'm learning a lot of useful things, but to legally be a practicing personal trainer... Right. You have to have the certification. Okay. I can already train people and get them in pretty good shape, but there are fundamental principles I'm learning about that are kind of cool, I guess. But, you know, it's just a grind, man. Yeah. I know how you feel with that. Just a grind. That's my whole fucking life. And this is just step one. I got to get like four or five other certifications, so. Yeah? What are the other ones? Um. So this one is a certificate of personal training then i have to get my certificate of nutrition and then i'll get my certificate of corrective exercise and then i'll get my certificate in d's nuts d's nuts and then i get my certificate in uh what's the last one uh behavioral patterns which is basically the identification of behavioral habits and why make why people lift certain way eat certain ways based on neurological things that are going on huh yeah. Good luck trying to figure me out. I change by the day. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, dude, I know exactly how you feel, though. I'm studying like a motherfucker constantly. Well, that's what the behavioral part would be. They'd account that to stress, probably. Stress, what? stress, and workload. What the the studying? Just how you're like done with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I am definitely burnt out. 
I told one of my classmates today that cocaine was a good solution to their inability to focus. And then she said, you crack me up, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. I don't even think she realized that. I don't think she did. I don't think she did that on purpose at all. You crack me up. It's like, no, I don't do that. That's poor man's cocaine. I will not, quote unquote, crack you up. Um, yeah, so a couple of housekeeping issues here. We need to put something underneath this table to keep it from sliding. You probably just put that blanket, to be honest. Um, it's big enough. Yeah, and... Other than that, I think we're in pretty good shape so far. Uh, yeah, I do too. Got these little mics. Yeah. Erecting out of the table. Erecting. <clears throat> yeah, so I'm interested with this Hellblade game. Yeah, that's you, a good fucking game. You got me hooked on it, and I do have 3D uh, headphones that I can plug into this guy. Really? Yeah. Awesome. So I, I actually really want to play it. It actually seems fucking really interesting. Yeah. So, for those of you that don't know, I mean, there, it was kind of a big release when it came out, but it didn't get a lot of attention afterward. It was more big on the PlayStation scene, I feel like. Yeah. I didn't even know it was on this. But it's called Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Uh, it's made by a combination of, like, gamers and neuroscientists <laughs> that deal with patients that have schizophrenia. And you're playing as a person... Um, that has schizophrenia that's trying to go on a quest to save their lover from hell. And, like, if you have the headphones on, there's just voices talking to you constantly from every direction. It's fucking nuts. Yeah. It was pretty... I, Of what I've played, I only played maybe 30 minutes. And, like, at first I was like, oh, I can handle this. But I can imagine over time the voices constantly talking to you or like okay oh my god yeah yeah and and uh they get worse like some of them become really demonic in nature and like it just it, it's really fucking crazy so like if I you were to say how far like percentage wise you've gotten through do you have any idea maybe 45 jesus jesus we got to get through that then yeah we got to get through that i'm i want to see the ending of this game i do too but it's just like it starts to creep me out too much so i i have to back off so it's not even that you're dying too much it's like it's just mentally a fuck yeah it just starts fucking with me way too much damn um i've died once where i've had to start over so and that's the other aspect of this game if you die like there's checkpoints that you go back to when you die but if uh, your your progression of death is marked by a type of rot on the character, and if it reaches her head, game over. You yeah. start from the beginning. Period. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Fuck you. Start over. Yeah. No skill trees. No upgrades. Yeah. Yeah. There's no skill tree. There's no upgrades. There's no like, tutorial. No. It just throws you into it, man. Throws you into it. Someone starts attacking. You're like, what buttons do I press? I was like, all of them until you figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like that game, though. And I like the fact that it just throws you into it because it fits with the game so well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's very interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. So, also today... Uh, it's no no surprise to anybody that actually listens to this. I'm a Angels fan. 
And the Angels have sucked this year. Especially since Skaggs died. And I brought that to the attention of this like fan forum I'm on. And this guy straight out attacked me over it. Um, Not with a baseball bat, with no, words. No, he tried to use his words. He wasn't very successful. <coughs> um, let me pull up the conversation here. Yeah. Uh, it's funny people get so upset over social media over the littlest things yeah your opinion differs in mine let me tell you why you're wrong in a big thesis statement yeah so i just wrote you know uh the angels are probably still getting over skag's death he was a close teammate of theirs blah 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 um and i said it's understandable i'm not going to expect much for the rest of this season this guy comes back to me and says my name. He's like, the Angels are always making excuses. Skaggs death, injuries, 16 inning games, Fletcher's bad call at the plate. No one takes responsibility. Osmus, daily BS lineups, batting a, a, a 208 hitter in a cleanup and ben, benching a 289 hitter for a 208 hitter. Overusing the bullpen, burning them out, blah, blah, blah. It goes on like this for a fucking while. You got to invite him to the batting range. And then he's like, Osmus is is embarrassed. Well, we are all embarrassed of him. He just doesn't see it. Heck, he thought that he was doing a great job until they ran his ass out of Detroit. And my only response to this guy was, it's unfortunate that this isn't just a game and severely impacts our day-to-day living. Yeah. Because it is. It's just a game. Right. Uh, but he doesn't see it that way. It's his life. You want to know why? Because his real life sucks ass. Yeah, that's true. That's the exact. That's the only reason. You, you know what? My real life sucks ass too, but I'm not obsessed. Well, you have it. real things to worry about in your real life. This guy's probably got to the point where he's settled in his career and he just is so depressed that he needs something to pretend that it's his life and that's yeah, what it is. I did go to his Facebook profile to check it out and it seems like he's really into like competitive ballroom dancing. Oh, really? So, you know, he's got that going for him. He's got a lot of balls experience. Yeah, but my thing is, okay, first of all, it's just a fucking game. Mm-hmm. I enjoy watching the game. I enjoy following the statistics and the players. Yeah. But it's just a game. Yep. The other part of this is these dudes sign contracts for millions of dollars. And as long as they're able to perform at a base level, they get that win or lose. Right. They don't give a fuck how you feel about them winning or losing. And then you have a bunch of peasants making under a hundred grand screaming at you how to play. Yeah. Some Hey some... motherfucker that went through the work and and fucking you know, gave up all this shit to be where you're at. I'm going to tell you how to uh, be a better ball player. Oh, how much have you played? Uh, I've, ne- I, I've never. I've I played never. t-ball when I was a uh, yeah, kid. Yeah, I played t-ball. But I watch it. I watch it all the I, time. I, I watch. I scrutinize the fuck out of every one of you guys. MLB season pass every year. I buy that. Yeah. Etch, the extra inning pass, man. Yep. Gotta have it. Uh, yeah, it's just fucking pathetic to me, dude. Some sports fans are just... I fucking hate sports fans. Like, yeah, I really do. Um, the guy across the street from me, uh, I, I'm not even sure which team he's into, but I had a conversation with him because he saw me outside mowing my yard in my Angels cap. And he came over to me and started talking to me about baseball. 
and uh, he had some cap on, and I was like, so why do you go for, uh, I think it was a Tigers hat. I was like, so why are you a fan of the Detroit Tigers? He's like, I'm not. And I was like, well, why do you have their hat then? He's like, I'm trying to make a round to every major league ballpark and buy a cap in every single one of them. See, that's cool. And that's a baseball like, fan. I was like, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Uh, and over this last week, um, there was a 93-year-old that just traveled to, uh, I think, Miami to watch her team play. And now she's watched her team that she follows in every park. Wow. Holy shit. That's a lot of work right there. Yeah. That's commitment. That's yeah. that's baseball. Yeah. Fan. Yeah. It's so it's like those are the people I'm okay with. The ones that like live and die by how their fucking team is doing. Yeah. It, it's pathetic. It really is. I I would say your name, but I probably you probably won't even hear this. It's Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> but uh, I I basically don't want to be sued for slander once uh, if this comes becomes a big broadcast and somebody digs through our files. Oh, it's a comedy podcast, so it's all satire. They can't get us. Uh, yeah, that's what Louis C.K. thought too. Yeah, but now he's gonna he's starting comedy again. You saw that? Yeah. Like he's gonna sell out stadiums again, which is crazy because it wasn't that long ago he was whipping his dick out. Yeah. But then everyone's like, well, it was just his dick. I guess, all right, that's fine. He's still funny. <laughs> <laughs> they let him back. He didn't actually touch anybody with it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Kevin Spacey. Ugh. Yeah, and I mean, like, I, I can see why Kevin Spacey had to do that. Like, he he's not a very good-looking individual. Mm-mm. You know, like, um, he had to use that power to get get some get some booty. Well, he was doing it to kids. That's the problem. That's the yeah. difference. Yeah, that is. That's Thirteen-year-old true. boys. <clears throat> but you know, it's all good and fun for him. I can't. I can't get behind that. Like pe- the pedophilia thing, dude. Like. I can't either. Like I, I don't get it. Um, I don't know how you could be into younger people in, in like, general. Try talking to an eighteen-year-old girl and then tr- see if you want to sleep with her afterwards. Nope. Like no fucking shit, right? Like so. I can tell that I'm getting older because I'm looking up MILF porn. Yeah. Because it's the people that are my age. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, it's like, I'm not looking for those uh, teenage hotties anymore. I feel gross watching them. It is weird if you go back and look at the porn you used to watch versus now. Yeah. And like... It's like when I was 18, what I used to watch then versus now has changed so much. And I'll go back to like, Jesus Christ, these are just children pretty much. Yeah. They're like 18. Yeah. And they, and they are. They're, they're 18, 19 years old. But you see like how immature they are the older you get. So then like when you see that, like that's not even attractive to me. So they, these pedophiles are going after these like not even developed human beings. Yeah. And, and but for me, that that was a really marked difference when I... I realized I was looking up uh, certain porn stars that are classified in the MILF category now. I grew up with them, man. I can't stop following them now. Yeah. <laughs> the MILF category. It's weird. I'm almost in that almost in that boat, too. Yeah. You'll, you'll get there. Yep. You'll get there. A few more years. 
Uh, yeah, fucking Kevin Spacey, that Jeff Jeffrey Epstein guy supposedly killed himself. No one believes it. I was I've been looking at Twitter. Now everyone's like, we're not buying this shit anymore. This is fucking bullshit. Blah well, blah he blah. He almost died a couple months ago, didn't he? Like from quote unquote suicide attempt. Yeah, and prisoners reported that they heard screaming. You know, like, we're going to put him on suicide watch. And there's a bunch of memes going around with him hanging. And then there's a guy sitting watching, watching, eating popcorn, suicide watch. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I even believe that he committed suicide. But you know what? The world's better for not having him around. Yeah, it's true. World would have been even better, though, if he would have spilled his guts. Because he would have, too, for a less sentence. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, and if it was, I mean, if all this stuff about him being involved with. What the fuck is going on? Separate what? Separate, um, ring, pedophilia rings and shit. Uh, The fact that he was connected to so many past presidents. That's true. Was a big concern for a lot of people. And the flight dossier he had with all the celebrities on it. Right. So there's a lot at stake there if all those people come down. So one death to them is nothing. Right. Like the Clintons. Like the Catholic Church back in the 1600s. The Clintons still have ties to the DOJ. So it's not hard for them to make something disappear to keep under wraps. But now that the people know about it, it's just like... They, it's more suspicious. Now. Yeah, and it's the top talked about thing right now. So... We'll see where it goes. People yeah, aren't that, happy. What, what, what was it on Twitter? It wasn't even Epstein's suicide. It was like Clinton something, right? Clinton body count. Yeah. Yeah. He so. was talking about all the people that the Clintons have had killed because some like somebody would come out and say this, and all of a sudden, oh, they went on a hiking trip 50 miles out in the desert and died. And it's like, okay, yeah, that yeah, makes sense. That makes sense for somebody that's literally never done that before. And then it kept happening over and over and over again. And then it was a big conspiracy theory, like just people wrote it off as fiction, and now it's starting to come out that, oh, shit, maybe there's something there. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I think this stuff's awesome. This is my reality TV. <laughs> I don't watch other TV shows. I like. You don't watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians? No. Keeping Up with the Nation, and it's still probably fake, but that's all right. It's Have like, all right, really guys. already drank half of this? Yeah. I think I only had like one there, yesterday. There was no, we both had two, I think. Uh well, let's see. No, we, okay, so I had one, we both had one yesterday. And then I had two today. There were seven in there when we started. Okay. So we went so we went through Yeah, half. Yeah. Okay. Well, went through five of them yesterday. Or yet yesterday and today from studying too. All right. Yeah, we kind of tend to drink while we study. Someone keeps stealing our fucking beer. Yeah, this cannot be tolerated anymore. I think it's all the dogs. Yeah, it's definitely them. They're always happy all the time. I don't buy it. I'm never happy, and I drink a lot. (laughs) So. That's going to be used as a clip one day in CNN. Really? Yeah, they're going to put that on CNN, (laughs) and they're going to be like, Dallas Weaver running for director of this hospital. He's... (laughs) I'm never happy and I drink a lot. I'm never happy and I drink a lot. I'm never happy and I drink a lot. Yep, yep. 
Ah, oh, fuck it, dude. If it happens, it happens. They just start splicing it together. They splice all this shit together. Well, I just repeated it for them three times. They don't yeah. even have to splice it together. I'm not happy and I drink a lot. I'm going to burn this place down one day. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, oh, man. Yeah. Well, you know. Take my words. Yeah, I, I don't even know what to say to that. Like... As long as I can defend myself, if I can be put on the spot and they ask me, what do you mean by that? I'll just say I like beer and I was working out with Squeak. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just be like, go watch Cheap Shot Discussions. That explains it all. Yeah. Stop taking me out of context, you fucks. Yep. But the, the issue is, is how much of that's going to get pulled down before you get to the point where you can say that? I'll host it on my own server. I'll put it in my house. And cool. Clinton and then Hillary will send an assassin after me. Agent 47 will knock on my door. No, so, okay, so if you're really concerned about that, what you need to do is get a, a separate property, put your server in there, broadcast from that, Yeah. and pump that motherfucking building full of cyanide. Yeah. So if anyone walks in to disable it, done. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they could just discontinue. That's the problem. They could just discontinue the internet connection. It's all through Xfinity or CenturyLink. It's in the pockets of two people. So you forget about Onion and Tor. Yeah, I could put it. I could put it on the dark web. But if I have to, if I have to host my podcast on the dark web, I'm, I, we're, we're getting into some deep shit. I I will consider that a win. Personally. Yeah, I just don't think the content we talk about is worthy to put on the deep web. No, but I've somebody some, would still listen to it. I've heard some fucked up podcasts. Yeah. That are just on iTunes. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't even know if anyone still listens to us or not, but somebody would listen to us on the dark web. Somebody'd pull it up. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure they Maybe would. Maybe that's where we need to expand to to actually get people to email us at cheapshotdiscussions at gmail dot com. Yeah. You fuckers. Yeah. Never talk to us. We're just sitting here talking to ourselves with our dicks in our hands. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Now that there's a library established, that's what I was waiting for because I can promote and I can get quite a few more viewers. It's just like how much content do we have to listen to? So now we're almost at 20 episodes. I mean, this is 18. Yeah, which puts us almost at 40 hours considering most of our episodes have run about two hours. Some of them have run three, and one even ran almost four. And one has run 45 minutes. So, I mean, like, life is like a box of chocolates. You'll never know what you're going to get. Exactly. It's whatever we're feeling at the time. Yeah. Yeah, and... uh, You guys, like, I enjoy doing this, but it's kind of some work. So feedback would be nice. Yeah. I mean, really anything. If you say fuck you, like, it, it's still feedback at this point. I don't care. Um, tell us what you're thinking, what you're concerned about. Caden uh, was saying that he feels like a fucking civil war is coming the other day. I do, yeah. I did say that. That came out of my lips. Um. Yeah, it just is, man. So everything's designed that way. Like you said, sports, politics, uh, communities, west side, east side, all this different shit is command and conquer one-on-one. Yeah. And if we're all fighting from each other or fighting each other, 
It makes us makes it really, really easy for the people that are making us do it to just stay out of it. Yeah. And stay in their gated communities. Yeah. So I don't know, man. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, and you and I were talking. I guess uh, what's his name, Biden. Yeah. Said that if he becomes president, he's just going to exi- issue an executive order to like confiscate all the. They're going to pass legislature, which would mean, okay, first it would have to mean uh, Creepy Joe wins. Right. So if he wins, then it also means that the House and the Senate have to flip to the Democrats. House is already there. Yep. And But the fact that Biden Biden's not even going to make a dent in the votes. You know who's going to vote for Biden? 65-plus-year-old people who don't even know about politics. They're just going to see a person that looks like them. It's like, oh, Joe. I know Joe. He's a politician. Dude, check this out. What do we got? Mark Safe from Epstein testified today. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Uh, Yeah. So the thing is like a Instagram or Facebook post. uh, Somebody posing as Bill Clinton that said Mark Safe from Epstein testifying today. Yeah. There you go. People don't believe it was a suicide. Yeah, an overwhelming amount. Like, more people are talking about this than I've seen trend on Twitter ever. So, people must be more involved than I thought it would be. Oh, actually, now it's jumped. Now the top trending one has jumped to the Trump body count. And then Lance Armstrong. I don't know what happened there. I don't think, like, I don't like Trump. Yeah. But I don't think he's really got a body count. I don't either. Um, at least like this, like clandestine, under the radar body count that everyone is talking about with the Clintons. Yeah, his body count's over, and it's out there. Like, you know, like if if there's anyone um, dead because of the Trump White House, it's due to like the stricter border control and stuff, like making it harder to get through. So you have people like dying of disease and like dehydration out in the desert trying to get across by other means and stuff. Uh, I don't think he's got a clandestine like uh, – I, I don't even know. Clandestine fucking well, like, I think operatives the, out there taking out people that are like trying to spread conspiracy theories yeah. about him. You know? The Clintons are very interesting because Hillary's the mastermind here. She's truly the mastermind of the whole thing. Bill got himself into so much fucking trouble throughout his – his two terms the fact he they called him the comeback kid because everyone fuck he would get caught doing something like cheating on hillary and then hillary would come back and save him like redeem him and be like my husband is this 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 and then people would be like oh that's awesome and they reelected him so they call him the comeback <laughs> kid because people would hate him and then he'd win again and then it, like he had the charisma to drive uh the public perception and she had the manipulative uh, like behind the scenes fortitude to, yeah like get shit done and the two combined together i don't even think they're married i think it's all for po- uh, politics oh probably like i don't think hillary gave a rat shit he was sleeping with everyone and anyone yeah they probably haven't even slept in the same bed or the same house in a long time well there's rumor that he was gay and she was a lesbian and they married to have the perception of what the the public wanted at the time so mm-hmm. it's very interesting. I watched a huge, huge old history channel thing on it. 
And and Bill, you have not aged well. I'm sorry, nope. my friend. You yeah. have like you look like you have been run over by ten different types of trains carrying meth. He looks like that guy from Star Wars Rogue One that reports to the Emperor, the sucked in cheeks old guy. Yeah. Yep. He could have played that part. He could have. He should have, actually. Um Yeah. Yeah, but <clears throat> you have not aged well. Nope. I don't I don't think Obama's gonna age well either. No. He became he came under so much fire in his last term that there's a lot of stress on him. He's probably not going to age very well. Yeah, probably not. I mean, even from what he looked like in 2008 versus now, it's drastically different. Yeah, I mean, and everyone knows that the presidency, like, ages people really fucking quick. Yeah. Like, it, just the stress of it. Donald Trump seems to be hanging in there just fine. It's because he was on under- the blood of virgins that he's been drinking. You know what I think it is? I think he was just so used to... He's used to that being in the spotlight so much because of care. because of his entertainment background. Yeah, like he literally views this as ratings in a lot of ways, in so many ways. It's like how many people can I get my how how many people will watch and how many people? It's it's like a game to him in his head. I think that's where that's where the difference is, is because the past presidents are like stressed or like oh there's all these problems there's all these things yeah and they go from being a state senator that hardly anyone in the country knows about to being like public the eye guy. yeah yeah speaking of state senators uh we've got mike lee here in utah we need to get rid of him we need to get rid of uh we need to vote him out we need to get rid of herbert too like mike lee is a man who took a picture of ronald reagan riding a velociraptor while toting a machine gun yeah and used it as part of an official presentation in front of the rest of the nation on c-span and i yeah i watched it and i was like jesus christ he was like trying to be funny but it wasn't funny at all no it made utah look like a bunch of fucking idiots it really does you look at uh governor herbert and then you look at his uh what's the uh the like secondary governor, lieutenant governor. Yes, the lieutenant governor. He's just as like, oh, they're like, oh, I just went to church today and I have a have this and this. It's like not even. It's weird. Not not saying going to church is bad, but it's all their politics you know is based what's funny? on. To me, as I've heard the lieutenant governor interviewed more than I've heard the governor interviewed. Really? Yeah. I don't I don't like either of them, but. But I'm just saying, like, as far as like actual time with media and like being part of the public eye i've heard more from the lieutenant governor than i have the governor yeah well here's and herbert has done a good job economically but he's almost done too good of a job without imposing restrictions so cool he made the economy one of the best in the country you know what that means the places where the economy is bad in the country aka california who has a 17 percent homeless rate 17%. 17%. You know what it is here? 0.53%. 17 fucking percent. Up in Washington, it's 22%. Oregon, it's like all these coast states are just sh- being shit on uh, economically. So then they're like, oh, we're going to move to Utah to save money on housing. And that's where we get the influx. Crime rates have gone up 225% this year. Awesome. You have a 1 in 12 chance of having a crime committed to you. Awesome. 
One in 12. Yeah. Probably not in this neighborhood. That's just Utah combined statistics. That's the greater Salt Lake area. Yeah, that's mostly Salt Lake and Ogden. It's got to be. But now the greater, the metropolitan Salt Lake area is considered North Salt Lake basically to Draper. It's like this whole. Um, it's the whole thing, huh? The whole Salt Lake Valley the is. The whole Wasatch Front. Is being slowly rebranded to the metropolitan Salt Lake Metro. And that's why the new police department was formed. The Salt Lake Police Department or so Unified? It, so that's all being combined into the Metropolitan Salt Lake City Police Department. Really? Yeah. Just like Las Vegas. I wonder if Cottonwood Heights is going to be folded into that. I think it. Is, I think it is part of it because the zip code. If you type, if you get something mailed to you, you can put your zip code, but then you can also put Salt Lake instead of Cottonwood, and it's still the same thing to them. Yeah. Uh, as far as the crime rate, it's a little bit more expensive to live in this area, so it drives away a little bit of it. But the more and more people that come here bring more money into the state, mm-hmm. everyone starts accumulating more wealth. Even the people that commit crimes, because there's so much, even illicit money in the black market, right, right, will will drive people to live in more expensive neighborhoods. So you have drug dealers that can still afford to live in nice, nice areas. Well, I haven't really met. Uh... Uh, destitute drug dealer. I've messed it. I've met j- destitute drug addicts, but not drug dealers. Right, but you would like. How would we ever know? Like, maybe they just look like normal people. They, they do. Once you get n- enough high up the chain, they've got some Heisenberg stuff going on. Yeah, Breaking Bad. They yeah. come out and they ask you about baseball. And they <laughs> go back in their house and then they're cooking. I I mean, yeah, I, Mike across the street could very well be a Heisenberg. I don't know. Uh. That's how you know they're good. If he is, you know what? He doesn't fuck with me. I don't care. It's funny. I saw, um, do you know the mafia was the primary reason that most businesses stayed open uh, back in like the 50s in New York City? Really? Yeah, because so they would bring in so much black market money that they would just be generous to different businesses and like distribute that money throughout the communities to lift up the communities, whereas corporations do the opposite. Yeah, they suck it all out and take it somewhere else. So that's why someone made the argument that mafia was better than corporations because they had a human side to them. <laughs> they would be part of the community, not just sucking from it. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, my wife's boss, uh, I guess, um, grew up in an area that had uh, like mafioso ties to it. Yeah. Uh, back in New York, I'm not sure what part of New York he was from, but like, yeah, he apparently like he kind of started down that path and then got out somehow and is doing what he's doing now, but. Uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. You talk to him, he's like talking about stealing cars and working for a chop shop as a teenager and shit. Like, yeah, it's <laughs> like, and it's like, just another conversation to him. That's funny. That's so crazy. Yeah. What I, different worlds? I grew up in West Jordan, Utah. Haven't stolen a thing in my life. I stole a Kool Aid one time when I was three from a from a grocery store. I don't think I think if you're less than like eight years old, it doesn't really count because like that, like you're not you're, cognitive dissonance. Yeah, you you you're not understanding what what you're fucking doing. Oh, I really understood it. My mom made me go back, and I had to sit in front of the general manager and apologize to him. 
my mom took me back to the grocery store when she found it because I forgot. I would put it in my pocket and I was like, I want to buy this. And then I got home and I'm like, oh my God. And I was like, asked my mom, like, am I going to go to jail? And she's like, no, but we're going back. And I had to sit in, on the counter in front of the general manager crying. Be like, I'm so sorry. I'll never steal from you again. And he's like, why would you steal from me? Oh, dude, it was traumatizing. It was traumatizing. I was just an, I was, just, I was, I was like five, three to five, somewhere in there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it really counts if you're a little kid like that. Um, Unless you're still in cars. Yeah. Then you I, go to juvie. Or, but but at that point, when, when you're capable of stealing a car, you understand that you're stealing a fucking car yeah. at that point. You know? Yeah. Uh, like, you, you, know what, you know what you're doing is wrong. Um, so... I like that show Scared Straight. Have you seen that? God, yeah, and Beyond Scared Straight. That's it. That's what it. Beyond Scared Straight. Yeah, where they put the kids in prison with all these people. And they walk in, they act like they're all tough, and then you have these guys. They start getting in there. There was one that I was watching where uh, this guy's like, they call me Crazy Chris or something like that, and he's like telling all these fourteen-year-olds like, I killed motherfuckers. I stabbed him and blah blah blah, and they're all standing there. And this black guy comes up and he takes his 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 pocket out of his pants like he he pulls it out inside out and he's like grab this motherfucker grab this motherfucker you know what you're gonna do you're gonna be my little bitch in here i need my dick sucked you're gonna suck it <laughs> and they're like these kids are like 12 13 and they're just scared shitless at this point my my favorite one that i ever saw um the combing of the hair yeah the fucking hair thing oh my god the chest hair the, this guy he's straight fucking bald like the inmate is bald can't grow a head a hair on his head to save his life looks like carl winslow from family matters yeah but he's got a fucking thick forest of hair on his chest and he pulls out a comb and he hands it to this kid he's like comb my fucking chest hair (laughs) comb my motherfucking chest hair and the kid just starts doing it eyes as wide as saucers just like holy shit like i don't know how i got myself into this situation yeah like and he just starts combing the guy's chest hair and the guy was like and then they interviewed him like out of sight of the kids and he's like yeah they need to understand that that's what it's fucking like in here people will make you do some stupid shit and you're you're their bitch the most badass kid i ever saw was this short little nerd looking kid with glasses kind of overweight and uh He's like provoking one of the prisoners behind the bar, behind the, the room. And he's like, why don't you come in here? Why don't you come in here? And the little kid's like, okay. And then they open the door like just slightly. And he's like, the officer's pushing him up in there. He's like, you want to go in there? You want to go in there? He's like, go in there, go in there. The kid's like, I can't. And he's like, why not? The door's not open all the way. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that one. I oh, my God. I, I need to look that up. We should watch some episodes of that later. That's a funny show. I love that fucking show. <laughs> I can't. The door's not open all the way. That was one of those like memes where it was like it would go black and white, and then the glasses would slide over and say thug life. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, God. Yeah, so... Started playing Hitman some more too. Yeah, how's that going for you? That's okay. Like, I, I have the ability to like control myself though. Like, I can, uh, turn. I I really like video games, but I can turn it off and be like, okay, I need to focus on this. Yeah. And walk away from 
whatever I, I'd like to do. And by the way, uh, I don't know if anyone else has experienced this phenomenon or not, but I can clean so well. I can clean my house so well when I'm trying to avoid homework. Yeah. <laughs> no, like no one will ever clean a house as well as a guy who thinks he's going to get laid or someone that's procrastinating against homework. That's true. Like nobody. Yeah. And you know, I I cleaned the house um, yesterday. I not the entire house, but I I did like the upstairs a substantial portion of it because I was just like, I don't want to fucking study right now. Yeah. And that's fair. That's fair. Plus I feel like I like being in a clean environment when I'm working. Cause it makes me, I, I don't know. There's something about it. Like if my office space is clean, I'm more productive. That's just how it is for me. Oh dude, you've seen my office. Yeah. Looks like a fucking bomb inside of a dictionary went off in there. Yeah, it looks like your fireproof safe just exploded and stuff came out. Yeah, and that's uh, that's how I roll, man. That'll get cleaned up when the semester's over. Yeah. And then I'll start all over again. All over again. I've got my dog's bed in there. He comes and sleeps next to next to my feet while I study could be worse a doctorate could take 25 years it might take me that long i don't fucking know yeah uh yeah because uh excuse me guys uh but once i get to this bachelor level i'm gonna have to work for a couple years before i can even apply and uh it depends on if i have a kid or not by that point and everything's like so I'm, I'm just gonna have to fill it out i definitely want to move on to get my doctorate in nurse practitioner yeah um but if i have a kid um i didn't have the best like living situation growing up as you know uh my dad was absent mostly because of stuff my mom did and my mom was just flat out not a good parent so i i told i've told myself since i realized i could fucking have children which doesn't mean i i was capable of it long before but once i realized like oh yeah i can probably have kids i should probably start wearing something um yeah i was like i'm gonna be part of the kid's life regardless of what happens so if i finish up this bachelor portion and my wife and i have a kid in the in the time that i'm waiting to start my doctorate which is a fairly good possibility I'm going to try to move on and get my doctorate, but if, like, the kid's taking up my time, then the kid's taking up my time, and I'm going to just, like, I want to be there for it, dude. Like, I see people that I, um, in, in school with, and, like, going around town, you just see, like, these parents interacting with their little, like, kids and shit, and I don't know, man. I guess that biological drive to have a child hit. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, definitely. There's definitely an attraction to having that, because, it's, it's, I mean biologically that's the, we're we're on this existence to just make more people like yeah. really that's what it is that's yeah procreation is the whole purpose of life yeah really so, yeah um yeah like so i guess that 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 switch finally like flipped on for me about a year and a half ago 
Um, I think who was it? Louis C.K. who did the bit with like having a kid is the most selfish thing you can do because it's like, what would make this world a better place but to have more versions of me here? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, I don't know, dude. Like you probably don't have that yet because I do. I actually, I, I do a little bit because I had such a. And you're still thinking about it young, but my parents and I have a huge age gap, but they never, they, we, we were born in different generations completely. They had no TV video games and I'm put into all this technology. So there's a separation and I want to make that separation as short as possible. Cause I think a big part of being a parent is being able to relate to the kid. So you're, you're thinking of it from a logical standpoint. I'm, I'm literally coming from a standpoint of there was a flip that a switch that just got flipped in my brain. Yeah. I was like, one day I was walking along and I was like, I'm cool if I never have kids. I think I met, I think I talked to you during that time actually. Yeah. And then like all of a sudden it was like within like a month, I was like, you know what? I I want one of those little (laughs) bastards over there. I want one. Yeah. Because like, that seems pretty cool. You know, like, yeah, it seems like a lot of work, but I want one of those little bastards. Well, it changes life, too. That's the cool thing about it is because life before that is pretty much go on vacations, go out and do things, go have this and that. And then when you have a kid, it's more the life revolves around the house because you just want to be with the little one so much. Like right, you, you just right. want to be like your own little contained environment right. that, that you can not feel like you have to go out and do something or and, and uh, when I was in the military, I deployed um, with several people from my unit had children already, yeah. and that's all they fucking talked about, dude. Like, yeah, was was their kid back home or their kids back home? I think that's all. Like, that's and it's like whenever they'd call call back home when they got the opportunity, it was like, I'm not talking to my spouse. I want to talk to my my little boy or my little girl. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it is. It's a different type of, it's a different ball game. And my buddy across the street from me, when I was still in the military, he deployed with me. Uh, we were on the same fob and everything. I, I worked with this dude for like four straight years because, uh, I went, I, when I got sent to my battalion, I got put in the same company as him. Mm-hmm. Then I got put in the same platoon as him. We got deployed together, got put part of the, the same STP group together. Um, came back uh i wound up move, um, getting a house on base shortly after i moved back turns out my buddy lived right across the street from me mm-hmm. he got his wife pregnant and like when they delivered the kid like he was in denial about it the whole time the day after their daughter was born he was a completely different person really completely different that's yeah, interesting like, how that works i have never loved someone so much without having ever met them before and I was like, that sounds fucking magical, dude. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people have different experiences. Uh, there's this guy that does a podcast I watch called Ethan Klein. And he was like, at first it, does, it didn't really register for me. Like I just was taking care of this thing because it's defenseless. Like, And it's like at some point it just clicks that you're like, oh, I see this as like a little person. Like it, it, for him, it wasn't until like four or five months afterwards where he's like, oh, they're recepting what I'm telling them. Cause he's like, before it's just this blob that just cries and shits. And <laughs> he's like, and you're just taking care of like, it's just survival. Like you're making sure it survives like a plant. 
Yeah, and I can see that. I can see that. Um, Definitely different for everyone a, as well. But uh, yeah, I think uh, my friend Alicia said it. Uh, she said, you know, uh, she had she had two kids by the time she was like twenty eight or so. I think mm-hmm. um, she was in the military with me, and she's like, dude, being a parent is just like being on fucking disaster and crowd control. 24 7 with like a few moments of like cuteness that make it worthwhile yeah and i was like are you serious that sounds fucking horrible she's like but it makes it all worth it but you don't understand yeah that's what they say man (laughs) yeah yeah ben ben roosh same thing yeah he has about seven kids now he he was like yeah it's exactly like that you have to keep them from like fucking up your tv and stuff constantly I think and he, then they're like, I love you, daddy. And you're like, oh. Ben would come home or go to work and tell me, like, he hid this thing. We cannot find it. We cannot find it. We have <laughs> torn apart the apartment. We cannot find this thing. He's <laughs> like, and then it would just show back up. he just come out with it. Like, where the fuck was that? It was up my butthole. Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and that, that's what I hear all the time. And then it's like. Uh, when she told me that, I was like, that sounds fucking miserable. But now, like, a few li- years later, I'm looking at these, like, little kids out and about when I'm out in town with my wife. And there's, like, little kids with their parents. That... Yeah, it's all fun and games until they come, like, you're all upstairs. And then they come up from downstairs and they're like, the man in the basement wants to talk to you, Dad. You're like, what? <laughs> the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I've been talking to him for the past couple weeks. We've had conversations in the closet. Like, okay, this is this is too much. Calm down. So, uh, do you think, on a separate note, okay, this is like not a hard shift of gears, but it mm-hmm. is a shift of gears. Do you think children can see and interact with spirits? Yes. Yeah. The same reason, because their life force isn't fully like developed. That's supposed to, going back to even pedophiles, and that's why they like small kids, is because their life force is stronger. They haven't been as like corrupted or programmed into what we perceive as reality. And how many um, imaginary friends do you think are ghosts of other people? Probably a lot. Probably a lot. Because dogs can see on that spectrum pretty much their whole life. Um, so, yeah, I, I could see that. You think so? Some Bruce Willis Sixth Sense stuff. Yeah, for sure. I could see it. The first time I watched that movie, it was a complete mindfuck for me. I knew that I knew how it was going to end, and that kind of ruined it, but it was still like, oh, this is a good movie. I didn't know how it was going to end. When that came out, I was like, what the fuck? He was <laughs> dead all along. <laughs> but, yeah, I've always wondered that because, um, like, the imaginary friend thing just, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me as an adult but i remember i was really young i was playing with my cousin Mm -hmm. and i swear to god i saw like someone um that was not supposed to be in my grandma's basement in our in the basement with us really and like their clothes did not fit the time period or anything weird dude. but uh i never said anything about it Hmm. um keanu reeves saw one Really? Yeah. He said he was like in his house or something and he was sitting in a chair and there was a doorway with like a sheet and all of a sudden it was just like up and like waving above the door sill and he's like, well, that's interesting. He's like, 
you know how Keanu explains. He's like, that's a ghost. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, yeah. So who knows? And then there's Scooby-Doo that taught us that we're the actual monsters. Because if that's it, if, if spirits are there, it's just unformed energy. And I think kids are closer to that than we are. So I would assume they can perceive things we can't see. Yeah. I, I've always just kind of questioned that. Um, is If imaginary friends are actually just like spirits that we can't comprehend as adults. Yeah. I could be. You know. And, and like not to pick on uh, people that have like mental handicaps or whatever. But I wonder if like the cognitive development delay of like somebody with down syndrome or whatever causes them to be able to see that longer. Oh yeah. That's interesting. Like into their, into their teens or early twenties even, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Some people uh, are more receptive to energy. I mean, dogs can see. Oh yeah, dude. I'm, I, until Smiley went deaf and blind, I'm sure he saw ghosts. Really? Yeah, I'm positive. Maybe he made himself go deaf and blind so he didn't have to deal with it anymore. Maybe. That would be terrifying if it was like the sixth sense where you just walked around the corner and you saw just three nooses with people hanging there. And you went to show someone, you turn around, it's gone. You're like, that would drive me mentally insane. Well, I, when I was younger, um, I was still living at home. Smiley was about four years old, maybe three years old or okay. so i can't remember i got him in like 2018 so he would have been like three to four years old okay um my bedroom was in the basement so the basement of my parents house was finished um you got him in 2018 no 2008 oh okay i was like 2018 no i think i had him when i was 18 years old okay um but uh, my my bedroom was in the basement, mm-hmm. and middle of the night, dude. I'm not even sure what time it was. It was dark as fuck. That's all I know. I'm sleeping. I'm dead asleep. Yeah. Smiley has always slept in my room or on my bed, um, other than when I was in the military. And so I'm sleeping. Smiley's sleeping. Smiley gets up jumps over the top of me and puts himself between me and the door huh? and starts growling. Yeah. Like viciously, not playfully, like viciously growling. And the fucking uh, radio in the room outside of my bedroom turned on and changed stations and then turned off. Shit. Shit. Yeah, Uzi used to bark down the hallway at the old place. He was just like, growl down the empty hallway with no one else home and it's like what the fuck are you barking at or growling at and you know i i don't know if spirits or ghosts or demons or whatever are real but i think there's another plane out there and dogs definitely tap into it and yeah yeah that that's what happened that night like it scared the fuck out of me well biologically when somebody dies what's measurable is energy leaving the body some sort of energy. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's just energy transferring. Tra- I mean, energy never dies, right? It just transfers. Yeah, it just changes. So there could be all this free-flowing energy uh, around us all of the time. That's, Dude, this is a conspiracy that you'll like because we just watched Star Wars. And I okay. think I love this conspiracy. The, the, the Force is 
with me Rogue on one with the force. The force is with, with me on one with the force. Yes. Yeah. The theory is that the moon is man-made. And that it is just to block energy, like the real force. That it's to block the force? Yeah. Okay. It harness energy. Okay. <laughs> First of all, I'm going to raise the bullshit flag on that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big fucking rock. Well, think about this. It's been around for a long fucking time. Right, but how do we know that? Where did we learn that? Galileo. But where do we learn about Galileo? School. In school, which is funded by Gavin. I like the theories. I'm not saying it's true. I just thought it was fun. I'm just going to raise the bullshit flag on that right now, dude. There's n- Why can we never see the dark side of the moon? Yeah. You know? Well, think, well think about this. What it, Like on the president's motorcade, they have two huge antennas to block frequencies for bombs going off. It's like a signal jammer. Right. So what if that was a thing to block some sort of signal? From coming to Earth? For just... Okay. Okay. Let's let's break this down for a second. Mm-hmm. We have scientific evidence that mankind, as we know it, is only about 10,000 years old. Mm-hmm. Before that, there was like a preform of Cro-Magnon man. That went back about another 10,000 years. So let's say anatomically modern humans have been around for about fifteen to 20,000 years. Okay. As far as we know, the moon has been there the entire time. Yeah. With what you're suggesting is these prehistoric humans went up there and created this thing. I'm not saying to, prehistoric humans. To, to stop this flow of information or energy. What if it was okay? Like I'm, I'm going into the rabbit hole on this because okay. I'm just gonna fucking go with it, even though I don't believe a fucking word I'm saying. Um, what if we were put here by aliens and they made the moon? That's that's the theory. That's, that's what it comes back to, actually. That, really? Yeah. Then the theoretical evidence was showing like our spines weren't meant to handle the gravity of this planet, and it's like, what if these being? What if it was an experiment or some sort of just to watch, to like, monitor. Like they're trying to see if like we're, we're like a medical experiment to see if uh, they can come here eventually. Not even to come here, but to just like observe, like harness like the Borg, like to, to, to experience <laughs> through information and suck all the information out of a planet. I'm not saying I believe it. I thought it was fun. Tune in next week for when the Iraqis and the Americans get into an all out brawl. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and then salsa dance afterwards. Yeah. I, anything's possible. I mean, anything's possible. But I'm how badass say, would that be if that was the moon? Like the moon was the Death Star? Like just theoretically, I mean, not even theories. It's just for fun. If it was a Death Star blocking the planet and if that, if that blew up, you could like levitate shit with your hands. I would lose my fucking mind. Me too. I'd be like, this is fucking awesome. Um, I think a lot of people... Would die very quickly, though. Yeah. If Just force sudden, choking everyone, and yeah, if all of a sudden people had the ability to do that and not leave like fucking um, forensic evidence behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. You know, it's true. Yeah, the the people that believe that theory also believe that we could 
like telepathically communicate if all this energy wasn't being blocked and all of this stuff, which I, again, I don't believe it, but I'm, I looked at it like, people? uh, you know, people on, on the internet. Oh, yeah. okay. So really high, highly recognized and reputable source of information. Yeah. Well, wait, 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 wait. It was on Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Yeah. Oh God. But Maybe no, it was the founder of Reddit that started it. His little symbol's a little alien, dude. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? We started don't... losing people, and he's like, "Fuck it, I need to bring do something to bring them back." I just want their so bad to be the real force. That's what I want, dude. Everybody wants that. That's where the conspiracies come through. It's like, how can we make this reality? We we can't. We can, but Star Wars. <laughs> A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Keep that in mind. Yeah. Keep that in mind, please. Keep that in mind. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, but a long time ago. You'd think it'd progress if it was in the future. Wouldn't If it, if it was in a galaxy a long time ago and that civilization exists and evolved, wouldn't they have the technology to know exactly where we're at? Absolutely. But them wanting to interact with us is another question entirely. What if there's just an empire on the moon that's just like, we shall destroy Earth, but we must wait? Then I guess they're going to do it because we don't have the ability to stop them. Right now they're like, these motherfuckers are too dumb. Hmm? They're too dumb. We've got to wait for them to hit critical mass first. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe the empire's infiltrated our government and they're keeping us all divided so that they can just zap us if they need to. Maybe. Get what they need and then peace out. We're in Star Wars right now. You think? That would be mind fuck. I think we're more in the Matrix if I were to believe anything. That's something I find a little more believable. Yeah. Than uh, alien created celestial like dwarf that's blocking cosmic energy. That'd be badass though. <laughs> That'd be badass. I was like, they should make a movie about that. But then you think about it, it's like Star Wars kind of is that a little bit. The whole suppression of the Force and all of that. Well, I go, I'm going to nerd out on you for a second, okay? All right. Star Wars is not the, about the suppression of the Force. It's about the expansion of the Empire. So, um, it starts off with the Republic, right? And the Republic steadily turns into the Empire by voting itself into the Empire and electing a supreme leader, right? Mm-hmm. And then this supreme leader knows that there's a religious faction out there called the Jedi. Yeah. That know how to manipulate this one thing that no one else can manipulate. And so he goes after, he, he puts all of the, like, resources of the Empire into, like, destroying them. Another way to look at that is the British Empire of the 1600s Mm -hmm. consolidates their power into one person, the king. They go out on these expeditions. They find areas full of gold and um, other human beings that are able to manipulate the environment. Yeah. And they want what those human beings have. This one man, the king, consolidates all of his power in a conquest of the planet. Hmm. Okay, so 
like that it's basically that storyline okay star wars is not about the elimination of the force it's about the elimination of opposition to one governing body Mm, okay that makes sense that makes sense yeah because like regardless of what the emperor does the emperor knows that the force is still going to exist it's eliminating the people that disagree with his viewpoint that know how to manipulate that. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, yeah. <laughs> I can see that. No rebuttal? No, I don't have a rebuttal. Yeah, that's what I fucking thought. Oh, we're just having a conversation. I mean, <laughs> I could say, you just think I'm, cra- I'm just crazy, man. This is number four for Dallas. Dos, tres, cuatro. Are you on four? I think so. Cool. Uh, no, I'm on. Yeah, I'm on. So, we've been about an hour in now. This should start to hit soon, hopefully. Um, if not, we've got a big-ass bottle of vodka over in the corner. Yep. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, like, really, that's... Star Wars is about one faction trying to wipe out another faction. Yeah. Well, okay. The This is where it comes back to old philosophers who believe that there's something being blocked from our perception artificially because of the ones who take psychedelics and all of these things and see and have very similar experiences. And they say the realm of what we can see because scientifically – Visually, the the light spectrum that we are, that is visible to us, us yeah. is tiny. It's yeah, tiny. It's very small. And uh, the whole idea behind this was is that there's all this energy that's all around us. That's, but it's uh, our perception of it's being manipulated. Our perception of what this whole thing is, this construct that we live in, is being manipulated, so that we don't uh, we don't act against the empire. Have you ever watched Doctor Who? No. Well, yes, but not like all the seasons. So there's like a, a there there's kind of a partial area of Doctor Who that's like that. Mm-hmm. Um where there's like overlapping realities and uh the creatures are called the Silence. Have you ever seen that episode? No. The silence control everything. You see them, and when you see them, you like you know that you're seeing them. But if you look away and they disappear, you forget that they even exist. Huh. And they've been manipulating mankind since the beginning. That's interesting. That's that's where the whole I'm sure you've heard of the reptilian lizard bullshit. That's part of that episode. Is it? Oh, well, yeah. it comes back. It, it, that goes back biblically. That goes back to the Garden of Eden, which was a, a breeding ground where these these reptilian aliens would like rape humans. Took two thousand years to get to the point where they were bred into looking like humans, but hid among humans. So that's where that whole conspiracy comes from. So, is. so where does it say that exactly in the Book of Genesis? Um, I'll I'll have to. I'll have to give you some what, some material yeah, for it because what, I, what's the Bible verse that points to this? 
Uh, well, I mean, I'm you, not a religious man, right? But how many times has the Bible been translated as well? That's that's a huge part of it as well, is because there's been so many translations right. of it that it's um, yeah, it's very symbolic. It's literal. People take it literally, though. You, you know what's great about that? Hmm. It's all bullshit. Well, yeah, but it I mean, doesn't matter how many times it's been translated. But all religion is is it all points to the same thing. Scientology, it's a it's a guideline. It's not it's not meant to be a literal story where you believe. It's it's somebody meant to needs be, to tell Westboro Baptist Church. That. Yeah, someone does. Because <laughs> someone does. I mean, those some, motherfuckers. Again, with the uh, Civil War thing, it's another way to segregate people, radicalize religious beliefs. So these Westboro motherfuckers. Showed up to protest uh, my friend's funeral when he got killed in Afghanistan. We never saw him, thanks to uh, the local community that he was being buried in. Um, Why were they protesting? Because uh, the Westboro Baptist Church would show up to protest soldiers' funerals. Because uh, the war we were in and the current loss of American life is due to our yielding to the gay agenda. Huh. Literally. Like, that's... Well, that's a problem of... Because, I mean, in the end, most people are sheeple. But the leaders of the church exploit fear. And they exploit, like... They make you feel like you're not shit without the church. And then they propagate information... Yeah. uh, ...that you believe. And you believe it because without them, you'd be nothing. So... It's just... Yeah. You know what? With them, I'm nothing. So I might as well be without them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i i'm a very self-deprecating individual um i find it helps me get through life somehow uh to really just look down on myself constantly see i'm an others de- de- deprivating people i look down on everyone else that's why our relationship works so well <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah um I've been told I need to be seen by people. I have been seen by people. Those people tell me I'm fine. How people see me every day. I walk out the door. That's a favor to them, by the way. <laughs> you see me down the street, your day just got better, you motherfucker. So send an email to Cheap Shot Discussions at gmail.com. Please, please, please. We're tired of talking about whatever the fuck it is we talk about. We want to get on your guys' topics. Yeah. And um, what was that other podcast that you found that was like another drinking-based one? Oh, uh, 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 cold, cold ones. Okay, yeah, cold ones. Not endorsing, but they're big enough that they, it doesn't matter if I endorse them or not. Yeah, so we're not trying to be like them. This happened organically between the two of us, um, and we enjoy doing it. Right now... Um, to be honest, it feels somewhat like a job, but that's okay because something might come of it that's worthwhile. Yeah. And it, even if it doesn't, then I still get a bullshit with my friend. Yeah, like you said, man, anything worth having, it, it takes a fucking hard work. Yeah, it's not easy. Anything worth having isn't easy. Mm-hmm. Um, 100% the truth because there's been days I just want to skip the whole, like just can everything. With both of the podcasts, I'm like... Maybe I'll just make it a season. It'll be season one, and then I'll end, and then maybe season two will happen later. Uh, but then I think, well, I made a commitment, and this is one day a week. you got to follow through. It's one day a week. Really, it's two hours a week. 
um, of this. I mean, there's like the editing. Well, the, I, I mean, that takes thing. 30 minutes. So it's, so it's like two and a half, three hours a week. Yeah. Um, and then the archive's always there for you to go back and listen to if you want to. Yeah. So that's where I, I go back and listen to them sometimes. And I'm like, I don't even remember talking about this, but Me this too. is funny. Me too. And it's because we're drunk every time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Truth. <laughs> Truth. Uh, uh, fuck you guys. Um, so I went to my aunt's wedding this week. Second wedding within, honestly, like six days that yeah. I had to be at. One of them, which I was the best man for. The other one was my aunt's wedding. Um, mm-hmm. This affair. Let me tell you about this, guys. I have never seen anything so conjured up in hillbilly hell <laughs> other than... Maybe a Rob Zombie movie. Yeah. Uh, without the horror aspects. Uh, love my aunt to death. She looked beautiful. She was, outside of her, I was the only one appro- appropriately dressed for a wedding. I showed up in a suit and tie. The groom was wearing jeans and a tuxedo shirt with a vest, as were all the groomsmen. Um thing was catered by uh, Taco Time. Thanks, Taco Time. Yeah. Not endorsing them, just saying it was catered by them. The cake wasn't a cake. It was uh, like there was the small cake that they got to cut, and everything else was just donuts. I. It was a very interesting event. I've never been to anything like it, you know, and it was, an, it was nice. It fitted. It fit her personality perfectly. Like, it was exactly the way it should be for her. Yeah. Never have I ever been to a wedding like this, though. I felt so fucking out of place. Yeah. I felt like James Bond in the middle of a fucking, like, market in the Middle East, dude. <laughs> like, wearing a tuxedo, walking around amongst, like, all the locals trying to peddle their spices and wares. And I'm just like, what the fuck am I doing here? I'm here for one person. They're probably like all James fu- Bond. I'm here for one guy. <laughs> One, like one person. Like, who's this fancy son of a bitch? Yeah, I'm sure that's what they all thought of me too. Like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, who shows up dressed like this? Who yeah. the fuck is this guy? Are you a cop? Yeah, I'm. I'm sure. Like, I'm sure a lot of her, because my mom put such a great divide between me and that part of my family when I was younger that. I haven't seen a lot of these people since I was a child, maybe at latest a teenager, or if at all. Yeah. So I show up. There's people I haven't seen in literally 20 fucking years, dude. There, There's people I, I've never seen before. I'm dressed in a suit and tie. I got a boutonniere because my aunt wanted me to have one. So I'm like clearly marked as like part of the family, but they're probably like looking at me like, who's this Maserati driving motherfucker over here? Yeah. Like, oh, we ain't good enough for you. We ain't good enough for your kind. You show up for shit like this and then take off. Like, what did their invitation look like? uh, I showed it to you. It was like, that's right. Yeah. It was like. It was a pretty standard wedding invitation, actually. It was like a um, just a bunch of their engagement photos with like the date and time. And he stuff. looked like a retired '80s rock band player. 
He like yeah, he does. Um, but that's okay. It suits him, I guess. Yeah, he's like a Van Halen bassist. Yeah. Um, but I I'm sure ninety percent of the guests there, especially from his side, were like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Yeah. Does he run this establishment? Right. Because I was dressed nicer than the nicer than the fucking people that like owned the reception building that we were. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you walk in there like, oh, oh, what's going on? Who the fuck's this? Is Are we getting audited? Is the president coming by? Like, yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> outside of being the only uncircumcised dick in basic training, have I never felt so out of place? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I am circumcised, but I was gonna ask. I was gonna be like, what? No, I, I've got, uh, I've got my Judeo-Christian mark on me. Don't worry. Yeah, me too. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, it's just, I I felt like super uncomfortable, and the fact that it was catered by like Taco Time, I was like sitting there, and I'm like trying to eat tacos in a fucking suit and tie, like trying not to get it all over myself yeah. because I eat like a fucking animal. Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh man, you guys should have seen it. It was a great time. It was Except a good. In a full suit, and you get your crisp beef burrito yeah and i'm like i'm sitting there i'm like pushed all the way up against the table my tie is flipped over my shoulder i'm fucking like leaning halfway over the table to take a bite of my fucking taco people are like what the fuck dude like who the fuck is this faggot over here (laughs) and you know what they probably actually thought that but in my own terms i'd be like who the fuck is this idiot over here yeah um I have nothing wrong with uh, the gay community. I have a lot of friends who are gay. Uh, not to say like, oh, I'm not racist because I have a black friend. I just do. I have a, I have gay friends, and I, I don't think anything of it. But I'm pretty sure like that was the exact thought of these people. Well, it's just like Louis C.K. said, there's a big difference between a gay person and a faggot. There's two big different things. Like you can just One, be one's a, a faggot and one's a gay person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. What, what did Louis C.K. Uh, it's like it's like there's a perfect example he's like you're driving in traffic somebody's in the middle of the street and it's two gay guys sucking each other off it's like move you two stop being a faggot it's not because they're sucking dicks it's because they're standing in front of my fucking car and i gotta get a fucking work yeah yeah so i'm sure like that's exactly what these guys thought of me sitting there like fucking leaned over the table like trying not to get shit on myself yeah um i don't know i look good in the suit though you have to admit i look pretty decent yeah for being a fat fuck suits are nice i I should have one and i very much don't very much don't have a colored shirt i can put a tie on don't have that really no dude when i got out of my my house i'm like i'm never going to church again threw it all away no you that's a standard man every guy needs at least one suit and several different types of collared shirt yeah see i haven't used them in five years so so i'll outgrow it not anymore maybe unless you like get fucking barry bonds jacked 260 yeah no i mean I get up to 240 at most i mean what what you should do what are you right now like 180 uh 172 172? Yep. I would work out hard, put on about 20 pounds of muscle, go get fitted for a suit, 
have a suit made. And then if you drop back down, then that's fine. If you go up a little bit, it's going to be kind of tight, but it'll still look good. Yeah. You have like that uh, probably five to ten pounds above the suit fitting uh, wiggle room for space. Yeah. And and then, uh, you know, if you drop down, it, it's not it, – it, as long as you don't get too skinny, like it's not going to look bad on you. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, – once I stabilize weight and I decide I don't want to – because I've, I got to the point where I was like, I don't want to get as big as I could anymore. Because I went through the struggle of getting big and having to buy, like, you buy 32-inch waist pants, but then your legs are too big for them to fit in. So you have to go up to, like, a 36-inch waist and just clamp a belt down. It's just, like, odd proportions that make it hard to buy, <clears throat> buy clothing. I have a buddy. His name's Rat Matthew Ritchie, and he is exactly like that. Yeah. He's got, like, a... 29 30 inch waist but he has to buy like he has to buy pants that are like 36 38 inches because of the size of his quads it sucks it really is a big problem like sitting on toilets is a struggle um wiping your own ass is a struggle (laughs) (laughs) i've always wondered that about like jay cutler and stuff like how how the fuck do they like get get in there i don't know i I guess they, you have to get a bidet installed in your house. They have or their wife. They have their wife shaving their back and stuff. Like yeah, I mean like I, I don't have back hair, but I mean, like I've always thought like how once you get to a certain size and your lats are like half the size of a fucking couch, how do you like yeah. get get in there? You know, right? Like, You've got to be doing some extensive yoga training on top of that. And your fatigue. Anything – when I'm over 180, I get fatigue. Like just from walking, like you get that quickly. like – Like just from walking. Yeah. Or like laying down sleeping. Your sleeping gets disrupted because your body's not meant to hold that much. Uh, yeah. And actually can't. Like I, at, me at a 25% body mass index is where I sit. I've sat at a 25% for a, quite a long time. And that's – that's considered the, the breakoff point. 49.9 and above is considered overweight, and then 30, 30 BMI is considered obese. 30 and over. Is overweight, and then uh, 49 is obese. Is it? Yeah, because overweight isn't obese, but obese is overweight. Right, so I thought average was between 20 and 25. 25 to 30 is overweight, and then 30 plus is obese. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but when you start doing steroids, like when I, when I did steroids before I was going in the Marine Corps, I actually was not qualified at first because my body mass index was considered obese on the chart. Yeah. So they told me I needed to lose weight, even though I was, I was pretty jacked. I could do 20 clean pull-ups, no problem. Like the pause at the bottom, all the way to the top. I think I have three shirts that I got from the bullshit little, uh, competitions that they had. You were wearing one the other day. Yeah. I almost punched you in the dick. The pooly one? Yeah. Yeah. That shirt's comfortable. I love that shirt because it's like, it's that silk, like. Breathable. That's the, that's the best shirt I own. Not even, not, not the Marine Corps aspect of it. That's awesome. But how much it breathes and it's like just comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I was riding my bike through uh, Sugar House Park one time and there was like a guy out there in fatigues and he was like. Had a bunch of kids in those purple shirts running up and down the hill. Looked like they were going to fucking die. Yeah. I was like, 
you've only begun to felt the tip of this dick, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was uh, heading up to climb an area up Bell's Canyon. And again, a bunch of people, purple shirts, uh, and Marines in like normal fatigues and boots strolling along through there. And it's like, huh, what's going on here? Because it, it seemed like a group that was too large to be a, a depth group, a pulley group. Right. Um, but... They reserve us or anything? No, it was, it was a pulley group. Hmm. Um, and I stopped one of the sergeants. I was like, hey, sergeant, can I ask you a question? He's like, yeah, sir, what's up? And I was like, why are you guys wearing fatigues today? He's like, well, it's the uniform of the day. And I was like, all right. And I told him, like, I was a corpsman for six years and blah, blah, blah. And I just saw, like, this fucking line of purple shirts rolling past me with a couple interspersed camis. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And he, he just told me it was like a, a pulley group. And the uniform of the day for the actual Marines were the fatigues. So Yeah. Yeah, that delayed entry shit. I say I vote skip it, man. I did it for a year and a half, and I I got nothing from it, man. Why Why did you do it for a year and a half? Because I was gonna go in, like that's what I wanted to do. So I would just go to the things, and you get it's fun because you get treated like all the shit of the military. I mean, you can technically leave any time, but you don't get like you don't get anything from it other than just being with them. So like, for example, there were storage units behind the recruiting center for the Marine Corps uh, place in Idaho Falls. Mm -hmm. And I remember we had to run around them and I threw up and he's like, good to go. Keep fucking running. So I just had to keep going and we had to go. I don't remember the number we had to go around, but we had to go around lots of times. So here's, here's the thing. The delayed entry program is actually set up for people that sign their papers and uh, to enlist, like they've already signed their contract, mm -hmm. but they haven't shipped yet because mm -hmm. their ship date is a later date. Right. That's what it's intended for. And like, it, it's weird, but I guess to us masochists out there, some people like they use it as a fucking recruiting tool in some senses. Yeah. Yeah. And, That's what it and, felt like. And if you don't sign up. For uh, if you don't actually sign the contract and continue to go to those meetings and do what it's actually meant to do, you really don't get anything out of it. We got hazed. Oh yeah, me and my friend got hazed for doing it, but I was like, I'm still gonna show up. Like I'm not gonna, but, I'm not gonna commit to it because my MOS that I want is not available yet. And they're like, Yeah, but you can sign an open contract and then we can get it read. And I'm like, that's, No, that's no, no, just no. a fancy way of saying, hey, Cook, do you? Do you like to shoot guns and be shot at? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> but uh, at least you were able to see through that. But, like, honestly, if you don't sign that contract, there's no point in you and of you going. I didn't even start going to DEP meetings until I had taken the ASVAP and actually sat down and signed, like, this is what I'm going to do. Since ours was so small, it was a little bit different. There were four other people. So it was literally like workout time. That's how I viewed it. Cause I never, I was so intimidated in high school to go do the weightlifting thing that I was like, looked up to the Marines. Grandfather was a Marine, all that. So, and a lot of my family, it was that lifestyle. So I was like, yeah, I want to do this. I want to get, I want to get ripped on it, blah, blah, blah. So I would, right. just, I would just go to it. And, uh, 
you know, they'd be like, when are you going to do, when are you going to sign this contract? You've been talking about this a long time. Like, I know, I know I have, I'm still here. Uh, let's just do this thing, do the workout. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's fun. That, that's, the, that's my little sliver of, of advice or input or whatever, unless you actually sign the paper, don't go to the debt meetings that holds no weight for you at all. Nope. Um, if you do sign the contract, um, there's certain programs through debt that allow you to pick up rank a little faster if you perform it correctly. So like I signed my contract, I started showing up for the debt meetings. They gave me this little book to study and they're like, if you study this book, they're going to give you a test, right? When you get to basic training, you don't have to pass the test, but if you pass the test, they'll give you E2 automatically. Yeah. And, and that is the purpose of debt. Right. Yeah. A lot of guys did that. Plus like Eagle Scout and they'd get out like E3. Yeah. And they get so much shit. I get, I hear those guys especially just get shit from, uh, NCOs and SNCOs because they're like, yeah, like you're like, for example, those guys usually will make still viewed as a civilian, right? They'll still, they'll still make up Sergeant before they even get their first deployment. And I guess it holds no weight. They're like, yeah, because you don't have a, you don't have your deployment ribbons, you don't have anything going for you, and like so other like a corporal will look at you and literally be like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Um, where like if you show up and you take that test and you advance through the test because that shows that you were committed on the the like the the pre end of it. Yeah. People don't give you a lot of shit because it's like, well, all all you did was study your ass off. Yeah. take this exam while you were in basic training and now like you passed it. So now you're like, right. You're an E2. You're not quite an E3, but you were obviously committed enough to the cause to do this. Yeah. And so they just fucking leave you alone. When UAV first opened up, there were guys getting out of basic and then they would be in the fleet for like the bare minimum. And they made an, ex- I think they made an exception for the time requirements because they needed SNCOs for, uh, that, that MOS. So there were guys progressing to Sergeant within like three years and yeah, yeah, you get treated quite a bit different. It's funny, all the little like cultural differences that how they treat you based upon like what you do, how long you've been in, like it's its own little subcategories within the branch. Yeah. And like, so for instance, um, when I escorted my buddy, Rast back to his parents after he got killed. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the Navy guys that were there, they were FMF corpsmen. Yeah. And I only had like three ribbons at the time. I had like my national defense, my pistol, pistol qualification, and like the other give me that they gave everybody, which was the Global War on Terrorism medal. Yeah. And uh, they looked at me differently and they're like, why are you here? Why are you escorting this guy? And I was like, well, I was, I was his friend, you know, yeah. like I, I was like a good friend of his and then they left me alone about it. But yeah, um, I saw a Marine there. Uh, he was like a, a reserve sergeant, I think. Mm-hmm. And he had like four ribbons and he got so much shit from the rest of the Marines. Really? Yeah. And he just showed up to sh- show his support, which I think is fucking fantastic. Yeah. You know, but yeah, they like, they didn't respect him at all. Like 
they talk to me and they're like, oh, you've only been in the fleet for a year. Yeah. And this was your buddy and like you're doing this because he was your buddy. Okay. That, that makes sense. But, right. But they don't want any other Marines just for support. Yeah. Like it, and it, I don't know, man. It was, it's interesting how that all works. Yeah. And that was such a fucking crazy time, dude. Like who knew within a year of that, that I'd be in Afghanistan in the same place. And yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I entered, uh, with, as far as medals are concerned, I entered with nothing. Um, I left with nine medals. Yeah. In six years. That's more medals than years. Um, one of them was a good conduct medal, basically saying I didn't get in trouble. But uh, that that's, that's also a give me. Like, all you have to do is not get in trouble. But the other eight were, like, ones that I kind of had to work for um the national defense they give you that because you're like oh it's a time of war so they give you that one and then the global war on terrorism like it doesn't matter what command you're in you're like part of it so they give you that one but like my sea service um afghanistan campaign nato all that shit like i i had to earn them and my brother i think he's got like 10 or 12 now I got out at nine. Um, yeah. One service stripe, uh, two good conduct medals. So, yeah. I know we talk about the military uh, fairly often on this, and I would apologize, but I'm pretty sure you guys aren't listening. So, I don't yeah, we don't have to apologize. It's your fucking fault, people. Send emails. Yeah. Uh, the. And it's something that, like, I'm not very far separated from it yet. I'm separated by a few years, but it it's something that had a really big impact on my life. If you go back and talk to a non-Marine about their experience in the military, mm-hmm. if they're willing to talk about it, they yeah. will remember every fucking detail. Well, how long have you been out now? Three three years? Uh, four. Four years. Okay. Um, but they will re- they will remember every detail. Because yeah. it's it's such a life changing thing to go through. Well, it's just so different, right? It's like that that six years is drastically different than from probably the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's that... completely different from the rest of your life. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it, and that and that's the thing is like that's why you remember it so vividly. Oh my god! So you want any of this? Uh, there's still a can in here. You can take that one if you want. I'll take the beer. You can take the vodka. Um, but yeah, I mean like, and I wasn't a Navy SEAL. I wasn't like some hardcore operator, but even just, just the lifestyle is so different from being a regular American citizen that it's hard. Like it's, it's hard not to draw comparisons from it and be like, well, you know, I did this back when I was fucking 23, and what were you doing? Living in your mom's basement trying to get a degree in philosophy. Yeah. You know, like, I, I don't know. I, I love my friends that have college degrees, the ones that are worthwhile anyway. Like, if, like Caden says, if you go out and get a degree in lesbian dance theory, then yeah, 
that's your own fucking problem. What are you going to do? Teach the lesbian dance theory. Well, experience, a college degree is great. Uh, like, if you go out of high school and do your four years, you're right. not going to get your dream job right out the gate. You have oh, to, fuck. You have to get experience. Whereas, I chose the opposite direction. I did the experience first. And then, first of all, that did two things for me. They gave me an idea of what I wanted to chase. Right. Um, and it made me focus on me. Like, learn, like, oh, shit. I don't want to keep doing this forever. Like, you put yourself through this grind of, if you never work a job that doesn't require a college degree your whole life, you missed out on a huge part of development of you as a human being. That's true. I agree with that 100%. Because if you, if you don't go through shit before you know what you want, then what you want, what you think you want may be skewed. It might just be what other people tell you you want. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and pause. Boom. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, sorry, I uh, had to step away to use the bathroom, and it kind of turned into this whole thing. Um, I helped my wife figure out how to put together a camp chair. Nice. Um, and... Uh, proofread a letter that she's writing to her grandmother about um, some shit that she's not happy with right now. So, hmm. But other than that, I I think we're ready to go again. Where were we at with this? Do you I remember? Know, Smiley's just up on my lap and uh, scratching his neck and then he jumped down. So we've hit like full intoxication mode um, because... We can't remember where we were where we were. So I was talking about experience. I think experience is important to have before going into college. Right. So just so you guys know, that little pause that we took that you didn't even perceive. It was like ten, fifteen minutes. Yeah, it took about ten or fifteen minutes. So. That's okay. It's mo- audio magic. Yeah. It's podcast magic. Yeah. So um but yeah, uh I was sitting there trying to talk to my wife about this letter because she was like, what do you think about it? And I was like, well, this is what I think about it. And I started like talking about how I thought about it, and I kind of kept talking and talking, and she was like, you're not acting normal. Are you in podcast mode or are you just drunk? And I was like, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. It's true. That's how podcasting is, (laughs) is that you just start flowing with info. Yeah, and... Because there can't be any dead she, air. Yeah, yeah. She was, so she was like, why are you talking to me like this? And I was like, I'm sorry. I love you. You get into a different mode in podcasting? Yeah, apparently I do. Huh. Yeah. I, I guess you don't notice it, though. Hmm. No, but it's also, it puts you in an environment. This is one of the reasons I started podcasting is it puts you in an environment where you're uncomfortable. Like... If you're by yourself and you stop talking, no one else is fucking talking. Right. So you kind of learn the skill of just keeping it flowing. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's a skill, but it can also be a detriment as well. Yeah, you um, can be that guy who always stops. You're like, oh my God, Bill stopped me. Here comes stop Bill. Stop talking. Here comes Bill. Here's the, here's the gabber mouth. Hey, like, what happened to you this weekend? Let me tell you what happened to my weekend. Yeah. 
30 minutes later, there's very little information conveyed. You're just like, uh-huh. It's the, it's the same type of people that we bitch about on this this thing. Yep, uh-huh, yeah. Mm-hmm, sure. Mm, wow. Oh, speaking of people that we've complained about um, previously. It's a big list. Uh, yeah, well, this one's pretty short for me. Who is it, the governor, highway patrol? Uh, no. Okay. I'm related to them. Oh, Okay. By blood, I came out of their vagina. Okay. Well, I didn't come out of their vagina. I was born via cesarean section because I was a problem child. Okay. Uh, anyway. Um, I don't know how I was born. I'm here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you just kind of appeared like the Terminator. That was an experiment. Yeah. Uh, Two lesbians in a science kit. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out. Yeah. Um. I love my mom because she's my mom. I think I've said this multiple times before. Uh, I just have a hard time with her. Yeah. Uh, she's not a normal person. She's not a normal human being by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I helped her out the other day. Uh, she asked me to come help her get some laundry and done and move some stuff around because she's got her broken leg i'm fine to do it mm -hmm. uh, the problem is, is she asks for an hour of help and an hour of help for her easily turns into two plus hours and i get there and um i picked the time to come over because i had an out uh she had a friend coming by to take her for a doctor's appointment yeah um at like and she's like they're coming at this time and i was like wonderful i'll be there an hour before then <laughs> guarantees my one hour of service yeah there you go um that's really it it's it's limiting your availability because if they think you're available all the time they don't treat your time like it's valuable it's supply and demand right and i think my mom's picking up on the fact that she's starting to burn people out a little bit really yeah she get depressed about it what depressed and like oh, yeah. more closed off and yeah yeah and i feel bad for her but it's honestly something she's kind of done to herself and it's because she refuses to seek help for her problems but anyway i'm like perfect i'll i'll show up an hour beforehand i'll help you out i get there i start helping out with what she needs help with immediately um and she was like well you know this person's coming over. I'm not going to share any names, but uh, this person's coming over to uh, take me to the doctor's office, but they don't know they're going to have to run me by this other place afterward. I'm like, are you fucking serious? Like, you're not going to tell them that up front? Yeah. And that's how she does it. Hey, can I get, can I, can I get your help for an hour? Can I get your help for two hours? Yeah, sure. You know what it might can be you is... Show up? And four or five hours has gone by. Before you know it, your whole fucking day's gone. And, yeah. and you've like been doing nothing but like her tasks. And that irritates the fuck out of me. Because it's like, okay, if you want an hour of my time, you get an hour of my time. Yeah. If you tell me like, hey, I need help for several hours, I'm going to show up expecting to help you for several hours. Yeah. I'm not going to show up expecting to give an hour of my time and being be getting held right for three hours after that yeah yeah and it sounds like maybe a fear of rejection 
Like maybe she's too afraid to tell you up front because she's like, oh, they'll probably think that's too much time or whatever. Well, and here's the thing, okay? Um, right now, I don't think she needs to worry about that because she has a broken leg. She can't drive herself around anywhere. She drives a stick shift. Yeah. One of her legs is defunct. Like she can't use it. Um, so she doesn't really have to worry about that. She just needs to be up front with people. Right. And, uh, so th- that like really irritated the fuck out of me. And anyway, like I do my, my, um, work for my mom and I'm on my way back home and my mom calls me and tells me about the, uh, doctor's appointment and like one of the nurses I guess pissed her off and she got her name and is gonna write a letter or something and I'm just like I agree with my mom if what she said was true yeah I can't really trust much of what my mother says um I've caught her in numerous lies about numerous people over the years where they would have been akin to Adolf Hitler yeah and they're not like that at all. Uh, but if what she says is true, then the nurse was in the wrong. Yeah. If what she said isn't true, she's just finding this something to dig at. Yeah. And blowing it out of proportion. Um, I was talking to my wife about this later that day. And she's like, why is your mom like that? And I was like, I don't know. I guess you got to hate something. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's a trait with uh, narcissism as well. Yeah. Uh, because, I, I mean, even I have some of this stuff. Like, pretty, I'm pretty self-confident in the sense that if someone makes fun of me, I can laugh along with it. I'm not going to get, like, right. hurt about it. Right. Um, but narcissism can lead to, like, well, this person came in and treated me like this. It must be about me when, in fact, like, a nurse handles how many people and maybe that nurse was late on this bill or that bill. And this is just the different perspective from like, it could be two separate well, things. I had to remind my mom about this constantly while she was in the hospitals, um, awaiting surgery. And for like the day and a half post-op that she was. Yeah. It's like, you have a nurse. Yes. Your nurse doesn't just have you. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. You are one of like eight patients. Honestly, the second you stop being like having – like I've went through this a lot. Once I stopped having the narcissistic mind of all about me and I started genuinely caring about other people, like you – You do that? Yeah, dude. Absolutely. That's fucking a shock to me. Really? (laughs) Like if somebody's in like a dick mood, like I can just tell they're like on the edge of something. I'll like try to talk to them. Cause I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't see it cause it, it's portrayed. I portray it like it's just fucking me, me, me. But in, in all reality, uh, until you start contributing to other people's lives, like the more charity, that's why charity, charity donations, all that's so important is because like you, you give away this money, but in return you get like community, you right. get, um, you get a sense of like, if you help other people, they always have your back. Right. So that's always been my view is that if I invest in helping other people, they're always going to help me in return. I don't know how I'm going to make it work. I just do it. You I'm, just I'm do gonna, it. I'm going to challenge you for a second. Okay? okay. Cause I think that's how a lot of people think. And that's the wrong way to think in my opinion. 
Okay. Um, you should help other people because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely like, right. You shouldn't help them with the expectation that they're going to turn around and scratch your back later. That's fair. That's a good, that's a if, good if, point. Yeah. If you're putting yourself out there and you're going to help someone, you should not have the expectation that they're going to do the same in kind. Right. Cause I can't tell you how many times just in the professional world where I've covered shifts for people yeah, or done this or done that. And I turned around and I needed somebody to cover a shift for me. And it's like sink or swim, buddy. Yeah. One thing it does do is that it does make you feel, um, it's a reinforce, even if they don't end up coming back and doing anything good for you, that's fine. In that moment, there's a gratification of knowing that I had something and gave up something. Right. Um, and that's enough for me to be like, cool. Like, And, and so uh, along the same lines of that, uh, really quickly finishing the thought about my mom. Um, it's just really manipulative and I don't, I don't like it. Uh, I'm genuinely concerned about her uh, when, when she passes away. It's not going to be for a while, but I don't know how I'm going to act or react um i i do not like her as an individual but she's mom my mom i can't get away from it yeah uh i care about her but a a lot of me knows that i will be more relieved without her than with her yeah um on the other hand if i ever want to talk shit on somebody i have somebody to call but I don't do that. I usually just tell people up front what I'm fucking thinking about them. That's the healthy way to do it, too. Um, Even though it's not societally acceptable, right. that's the way to do it. Because it's also societally acceptable to be depressed all of the time. That's actually an acceptable trait. But it's not acceptable to talk how you feel all of the time. <laughs> right. Which is, right. you know. Um, but anyway, moving on from that. Uh, like I said... Uh, I help professionally. I, I haven't had this happen personally quite as much with the exception of um, my nuclear family. If you don't know what that term means, look it up. You'll find it out in like 10 seconds on Google. Uh, but like giving and not receiving back. Professionally, I've had that happen so many fucking times. Yeah. I can't even count. My nuclear family seems to always return um, because they're my fucking family. Right. They're your family, right? So I've come up with a little rule um, of myself. Whoever the supervisor is, mm -hmm. and, and in my case, it would be the charge nurse yeah, or the nurse manager or whatever. If they ask me to, to fill in on a day, I tell them no. If a coworker asks me to cover a shift for them, yeah, and I can do it, I will say yes, regardless of whether I can do it or not. If a manager asks me, I will say no, yeah, because the company is not worth my time. Right. Other people are worth my time. Right. My friends that I work with day in day out are worth my time. Yeah. But the company, hell for the company, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I forget what the saying is. Like, hell for the company, like, 
something for the man. I can't remember, but um, we could probably find it online if we looked up. But that's like, if the company needs me, no. If Shauna needs me to cover for her, sure. If Jake needs me to cover for him, sure. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, and, and that's just how I'm going to operate. You right. Know? Like, if the charge nurse calls me, I might be on a great relationship, first name basis with the charge nurse. And if, if they're like, hey, uh, we need somebody to fill in for, uh, you know, Wednesday. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know what to tell you. Right. If somebody calls up, calls me up and says, they don't even have to tell me what's going on. Hey, I need you to cover. Well, I, I need someone to cover for me. Can you do it? And they're calling me personally. Yes. If you're a company and you filled the plan accordingly for the staffing situation that is needed. Right. You can go fuck yourself. Yeah. 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 Like poor management, uh, doing wrong scheduling, whatever. Yeah. Or, or, you know, and like I get it's healthcare. It's like a liquid environment. It's fluid. It changes. And you know, you might schedule for this and then like that day hits and you have like double the amount of patients that you think you were going to have. Yeah. They have float pool for a reason. Right. They have float pool nurses for a reason. Yeah. I mean like seriously, you know, like. Exactly. I, I'm, I, I don't know. I stopped talking cause I'm, I, it, it just frustrates the hell out of me. Yeah. Um, because you have these float pool nurses, they're like, they are hired to fill those gaps. Right. That's what they are fucking there for. Um, you know, guaranteed around Christmas time or the 4th of July or New Year's, patient census is going to be low. Doctors are going to be discharging people right and left trying to get them fucking out of the hospital. Partially what I think it is. There is because I mean we have we have the the resources we have the medical resources to treat all these people. What I think the lack is in this day and age is the lack of leadership, um, the lack of organization, and the lack of execution. I think that we've been caught so caught up in like the customer how you feel. Oh yeah, type thing for sure, dude. That we're not as good as ex at executing, and we're missing those leaders that will execute and that are driven and blah 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 blah. And I think you and I have talked about it before. Like, you know, um, we talked about it in the the spectrum of healthcare. Like, I want to show up, get my problem dealt with, and leave. Yeah, but. You can take that to any, anything. Right. Because that, I mean, yeah, okay, the customer is important and you want them to return. And unfortunately with healthcare, that means providing um, to a degree subpar service. So you're guaranteed a fucking paycheck later on. Right. But um, I'm not going to do that if I can help it. Like I'm like, if I work for an organization and they're telling me to push someone out the door, that's different than. If I have my own practice and it's like, okay, no, let's really get your diabetes under control. But um, you can take that same idea to Ikea because your time's valuable. Yeah. And the customer's time is valuable. They don't want to spend all day sitting at your fucking store. Right. What do you think is in a work? Hey, I'm looking for, I'm looking for this. Like I need something that 
fills, can you get me one of those? Uh, XYZ functions. This section, let's go. You walk them back. You're like, okay, this is this one, this is that one, this is this one, this is that one. And okay, now something that would have taken that hour, that customer hours to figure out for themselves. About half of that, please. That's good. Yes, you do. Um, it's all right. I got about six or seven livers in me. That, that, that's amazing. I've only got the one in me. Um, I think. I, I, yeah. I <laughs> I think mine's gonna have a fucking hard time, man. Hopefully, we have mechanical ones by the time we're there. Yeah. It's like replace it. It's gonna be so affordable. It's like. You, you know what though? I didn't drink heavily in my early twenties, like most people do. You're right. Yeah, you didn't. So I. I'm just making up for lost You're time. You're making ladies. up for it. exactly. Yeah, there I'm just you go. making up for lost time. Uh, fuck. Uh, and anyway, like everyone's time is valuable to them as an individual. Right. You know, if you're in customer service and you have to help people find like this, like a, a drill that suits their needs or a medical plan that suits their needs or a fucking paint or a grocery store or whatever that like fulfills their purpose, do it as fast as you can. That person doesn't want to spend four or five hours trying to figure it out. Yeah. They don't want to spend four or five days in the hospital waiting for you to figure out what the fuck's going on with them. Sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah. But uh, more often than not, that's not what it takes. Right. And employment complacency is... And your time's valuable, their time's valuable. Everyone would be happier if you just get it done and move on to the next thing. So what do you think, let me get your opinion on this. What do you think creates a more long-term happy individual slash employee over time? The employer that, the employer that is constantly, okay, let's say the employer that provides you with a snack room, constant breaks, wear what you want, do anything what you want, be happy, or the employer that teaches you how to be on time, teaches you how to be accountable, teaches you uh, basically life skills that form you as a later individual. That's now viewed as a harsh work environment. So I would say it's a combination of both. Okay. You have, you have a job. You have an obligation. You should be expected to show up on time, mm-hmm. period. You should be expected to be accountable for your actions, right. period. Um, I have been to a fault. I've, I've lost a job over it. Yeah. I, um, I've failed some ins- uh, assignments in school over it. Right. Uh, but you know what? If anyone has ever asked me, Dallas, did you do this? When I was a teenager, I probably would have lied. But nowadays, I'll fucking take it on the chin if I have to. Because that's what's important to me. Yeah. As a person. Because if anything else, they can look back at me and say, well, that guy at least told the fucking truth. Yeah, that's a good trait. Um, But having, so especially in these office complexes, so like I understand like um, hospitals or the military or whatever, you wear your like certain uniform you're expected to wear. Hospitals, it makes sense. It might get destroyed. So you want something cheap that you can throw out. Yeah. Um, military, it's all about uniform and like being part of the team and blah, blah, blah. 
But, like, if you work in a cubicle, let those people wear whatever the fuck they want. Right. Right. Customers don't see it. If they're more comfortable at work, they're going to perform better. Yeah. I. Yeah. You know? Yep. But, like, seriously, if, if they're more comfortable at work, they're going to perform better. If you provide them with a snack room that is able to, like, for some reason fulfill some need of theirs to relax during the workday, they're going to perform better. Yeah. Hold them accountable to being on time and for their actions, but fuck everything else. Yeah, I think... So I'll give you a really good example of where I work currently, and I won't give specific names or anything like that, but you can be, it is against company policy to be over five minutes late. Okay. You are supposed to get a verbal warning the first time, a write-up second time, second write-up, final, fired. Anyone who's, you could be late 20 minutes a day. At this place. And they don't do anything. And they'd pull you aside and be like, you, you, what's going on here? But as long as you're like, I'm sorry, I was blah, blah, blah. They're like, okay, don't let they it happen They need to again. enforce the policy. That's what I'm saying, right? That's where I'm saying there's lack of leadership. And this leadership translates to people learning. Because I have people in my department, and I won't, again, I won't give names, that have never been late to a job in their life. But once they realize they could do that constantly at this place, they, they start do doing it. it. Yeah. They start doing it. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm going to come along um, on the other side of the spectrum here. Uh, not saying that I agree or disagree with my actions, but when I was getting close to being out of the military. Yeah. Uh, for military standards, I was late every day. Right. I showed up exactly on time. Right. I was supposed to be there at 7. I got there at 6.59 or 7. Right. Every fucking day. Yeah. And I was talked to several times about it. Right. But I was also two and a half, three months away from getting out. So it's like, what the fuck are you going to do to me? Well, you also understood the, the baseline perspective of what it means. I think because for you, if you commit to someone to being there at a certain time, you're going to be there at that time. I've always, yeah, you've never known me to be any different. Right, exactly. And the military, you got used to it being like, well, I know what I'm showing up to. It's not that substantial, but instilling the value in everyone to not ghost each other, or I'm going to be there at seven o'clock, not seven twenty-five or whatever it is. Right. I, Cause I have a lot of friends who'd be like, let's meet up at seven. And I go there Seven thirty rolls around and I'm sitting there and I'm like, because instilling the, the belief that other people's time has value too. Right. And that's where, where this environment fails a lot of people, I think. Yeah. yeah. And uh, for me in the military, I just got to a point where like, I realized I was a piece of the machine. I wasn't a critical piece of the machine. And I'm a replaceable piece of the machine that is going to be replaced within a few weeks. Yeah. I, I was just like. That's fair. Dude. They don't like, they don't. I, my immediate supervisor cares, but my battalion co commanding officer doesn't care my like you know like no one really gives a shit right now yeah they know i'm getting out i've had a hard conversation with them about it they know where exactly where i stand that it would take a million dollars and a lock of christ's pubic hair to get me to come back in yeah yeah. (laughs) they know exactly where i stand and it's just easier to let me fucking fly under the rug and scoot off without a trace yeah than to like try to punish me for this right Right. up front yeah and some someone definitely got chewed out for me being white every day yeah for sure because i heard from him yeah i'm sorry stetson i'm (laughs) sorry um 
But the fact of the matter is, is it, it didn't change anything. I, as I was going out, I guarantee you they transferred somebody from Charlie Alpha or Bravo into the Raz, and Charlie Alpha or Bravo picked up a new HM2. Yeah. From the fleet somewhere. Yeah. And from the fleet, they picked up an HM, an HN or an HM3. Right. From core school. And the well, cycle fucking continued. And that's what I mean by, I mean, maybe lack of leadership in the sense that the dichotomy of leadership, getting it right where it's strict, but it's fair and it's caring is what a true leader is. It's very well balanced. It's not because you've had shit, shit people you've reported to in the military and you've probably had amazing people. Absolutely. And you can see better. Commander Joseph Taylor. I love you. I love you so much, dude. You were like the best superior officer I've ever had. Right. And isn't that what leadership should be is this painting of treating you fair, but holding you accountable, uh, but pushing you to be someone better. That's, I think what we're missing. Yes, and that's how Commander Joseph Taylor was. Um, we should hunt him down and get him on. Oh, I, I would fucking love to, man. I would love for him to see how I'm doing nowadays, and I'd love to see how he's doing. Uh, I was an HM3 at the Naval Hospital in San Diego. I got bumped up to uh, like an HM1 billet, maybe in... HMC billet to fill a need that had to be filled. And uh, I don't know. I, what, was I, it, what was his name again? Commander Joseph Taylor. Okay, I found him. Let me see. I'll tell oh, you no. if it's actually him. This is not. This is definitely not him. But he was literally Commander Joseph Taylor in the Navy. And it's, he was born in 1903. Oh, 1906. That's definitely not him. Oh, that's not him. No. Yeah. Uh, that's a Medal of Honor recipient right there, I bet. But, uh, no, this guy, I worked for him day in, day out, five days a week. Sometimes I'd stay late to accomplish the tasks that he gave me. Yeah. He looked at me and said, if you're going to stay on this base later than you need to. That's not him? No, that's not him. He's a white guy. Um. If he, but he he literally looked at me and said, like, if you're going to stay on this base later than you need to, don't do it on my behalf. Do it on yours. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, better yourself in some way. Yeah. And so I signed up for college classes that were held on the base. That's freaking awesome. I'd stay there for two to three hours after work, going to college classes in the base library. And when I told him that I signed up for classes, he looked at me and he's like, if you need anything proofread, then that might be him. We'll find him. We'll hunt him down. Uh, but he, he uh, uh, it, when I told him, I was like, hey, Commander Taylor, I signed up for some college classes. I'm taking them. I'm going to the base library after work, you know, at this time, uh, every Tuesday and Thursday. Mm-hmm. He's like, do you have to write any papers in these classes? I said, yes. And he's like, let me proofread them for you. That's awesome. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Like this guy, well, I, I don't know where he came from. Uh, I think he was from somewhere in Idaho. Uh, uh, initially, like is where he grew up. 
but like I don't know how the cosmos aligned me with this man, but he made me a better person. It just happens that way. Fucking question. And um he was a leader that was like when it was work time, he'd be like, Hey Weaver, what's going on with this? What's going on with that? Why isn't this complete? Why isn't that complete? Yeah. Fucking four thirty would hit. How's your English assignment coming? Yeah. How's your history assignment coming? Yep. Um, is there any questions you have for me? Like, what are you looking to accomplish out of your life? Yeah. I was 22 years old. I didn't know what the fuck I wanted out of life. Right. I just wanted this man off my back, but he made me a better fucking person. Yeah. For that, sure. That's what it's about. And, and working for him, I knew I was representing him. And because of how he treated me, I treated people differently. Yeah. And your work changes. and like... Yeah. And so, like, I went down to the comptroller's office uh, to ask for money for, like, opening up this new ward that we had to open up. And the guy was on the phone. I didn't know how long he was going to be on the phone. They pointed me to his desk. I stood there at his desk. After it had been about two or three minutes, I realized this conversation was going to go on for a while. And just because I was representing Commander Taylor, yeah, I stood at parade rest the entire fucking time. Right. This conversation lasted another hour yeah. at least. Yeah. And this dude called my com- called commander taylor after like right after i left his desk i had no idea and told commander taylor this is an excellent representative of you like i've never seen anyone so disciplined and so patient yeah that's awesome that's le- that's what leadership is but it's so skewed into being like it has to be one way or the other it has to be super lax or super strict and it's the dichotomy of all of the above yeah. and the instilling of beliefs that like drive, because there's not a lot of people like that. Right. There's just, there's just not. No. And like, I wish, I wish I could hunt this man down and tell him, thank you. I we have can't, no we'll, we'll get him on the, po- we'll find him. We'll I have find no him. idea where he's at. Like, but honestly, it was, and then he got picked up for deployment and sent out to Afghanistan as a medical officer. But if if not for him and the few months that I had to interact with him, yeah, I wouldn't be who I am today. Right. Like that's awesome. One hundred percent for sure. Like you know, you have those uh, washed up high school athletes that are like, yeah, without my coach, I wouldn't be who I am today. Well, this is that fucking guy for me. Right. For sure. Mentorship is everything. That that, that is the ultimate form of education. That if you want to, I I talk to so many people that say like, oh, I want to do all this crazy shit to like leave my legacy or whatever. But really, all you have to do is instill your values onto someone else into like one person, and that person could be Elon Musk the next time. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He he didn't know me. Right. You know, like. I, I could be living in a trailer park getting high on meth right now for all he knows. Right. Like, but he tried to make an impact on my life at that time. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. It's pretty and, damn cool. And that's kind of what we were talking about earlier. Like, you give of yourself, but you shouldn't expect anything in return. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's exactly what he did. He gave of himself, but he didn't expect anything back. 
Right. He disappeared into the wind. He went off to Afghanistan. I never fucking heard of him again. He might be dead. I yeah. don't know. Well, we will find out. And another cool thing about this was he was an officer that I could sit down in his office and argue about Star Trek with. <laughs> yeah. So I um he was a total Trekkie like me. You know, the whole reason I wanted – because I wanted to become a personal trainer for about five years. And right. I just never took the plunge. And I finally took the plunge. And the whole reason I ever started doing it was because when I went through my like fitness transformation of not doing anything to going into it, it made me realize the potential of putting your mind to something and just accomplishing it. And the fact that you could visually see the weightlifting part was reinforcement. Right. So for me, it's not about getting people ripped. It's instilling the value of like if you put your mind to this, your mind – like it's developing the mind. That's what's most important to me because there's not enough people out there that are confident. Yeah, I, I agree. And for me, I feel like uh, Commander Taylor, um, the thing that he imparted to me without even knowing that he was doing it probably was uh, – I think I've had you read this before, but it's The Man in the Arena by T Theodore Roosevelt. Yeah, yep. And it's like – um, it's better to be the guy in the arena whose face is like marred in dust and blood who is tried and failed than to be the ones in the crowd pointing out how he is failed. Yeah. And have never knowing, known the bitter taste of defeat or the sweet taste of victory or something like that. I can't remember it word for word, but that is what this man instilled in me. And I am forever fucking grateful for, to this guy. Yeah. For sure. I'm sorry if I'm getting, like, a little talkative and emotional, but, like, I don't think you guys understand how big of an impact this dude made on my life because I didn't have a father figure growing up, and he wasn't my father figure. He was an officer I was fucking terrified of when I first met him. I was, like, 22, maybe 23 years old, brand-new HM3, just barely put on my Chevron, didn't even, wasn't even getting paid as an HM3 yet when I met this guy. And he sat me down first day in his office and was like, what do you want out of this life? That's fucking awesome. And I was like, I have no fucking idea. He's like, until you figure it out, start doing something. Yeah. Experience. Let's get like experience as much as you can he, to figure like, out your shit. He's like, if nothing else, get college classes knocked out of the way. Yeah. And I was like... All right. And I took it like as if it was an order from like a higher person to me, like like you're going to take college. That's how I interpreted it at the time. But without his like push, I don't know if I'd be where I am today. Yeah. I really don't. That's really cool. I hope we can get him. I hope we can find him and get him on. That would be fucking incredible. He, like I, I don't even care about getting him on. I just want to find him and say Thank you. Well, think about it this way. I view the – and that you you laid it out perfect. The podcast is that platform to carry his message that he taught you. Even out of the few viewers that we have, if it hits that one, that's what matters to me, man. It's not about millions of people. It's about hitting one, two people yeah, that are sure. receptive to listening, and that's yeah. what it's about. It's and a lot powerful. of the time we just bullshit about nonsense, but like – and this isn't – like, I'm not going to classify this as, like, talking about the military. This is talking about a life experience for me. Yeah. 
and I'm, I, I know I keep reiterating it, and you guys are going to have to deal with it because I'm drunk, and Caden's drunk, and fuck you guys because you're... This is where the podcast gets fun, though. Don't you feel like that? Like, it starts out like, uh, and then we start yeah, drinking. Yeah, like, we, we kind of, like, it's a really slow, like, how do we make this work? Uh, and then we can't... And then we get, like, five beers in us, and it's like, okay. We can't shut go. up. We go yeah. for, like, four hours. <laughs> like, literally, the first hour is like, how are we going to make this last? <laughs> well, how are we going to make this last an hour? <laughs> and then it turns... <laughs> Yeah, and now it's an hour, uh, two hours and 15 minutes almost, and we're fucking, like, fine. We're um, writing audio books every, <laughs> every week. <laughs> Maybe that's how we should start it off, just reading chapters out of a book until we get intoxicated. Just release every episode talking. on Audible. Yeah. Just here's hey, your credit. I mean, we could. Use your credit every month. We'll just do one a month, and then you can use your credit on it. But it'd be like, it'd be like eight hours. Yeah. Because we'd have to like put it in eight-hour blocks uh, every four weeks. Oh my god! But uh, yeah, so I mean, if you guys are considering this military talk, then um, that's your own problem. But this was uh, like it was a fucking spiritual experience for me to meet this guy, and I'm sorry if that sounds weird to any of you or whatever. But well, and that's, that's what the fucking fact. That's what it should be, right? That's what leadership should be because. And I'll I'll even use this from I'll I'll use a reference as an analogy from the Bible is that it teaches to lead by experience. You can't lead by pushing somebody, right? Or you have to lead by example, rather. Sorry. Right. So if you if you set a perfect example, that's what's going to leave an impact in people. It's not in like not telling them, dictating. It's setting an example and being like, holy shit, I want to be like I want to be like this guy. Therefore, I'm going to listen to what this guy says. Because I look up to him. Yeah. That's super important in leadership. And I've had zero contact with this man ever since. But I I try to live up to that, like, simple one-hour conversation I had with him. Yeah. Did you only meet him, like, a couple times? No, I met I met with him every day. But okay, so you got the, your, Okay. This was the first time I saw him. He was the... Like, when I got put into the position in the hospital that I was in, my direct chain of command was one HM1, a senior chief, but I worked more directly with Commander Taylor. I hardly ever dealt with the senior chief or HM1. It was Commander Taylor, the director of nursing services of the hospital, and then the admiral of the base. That was my chain of command. Yeah, okay. So... I dealt with this man on a daily, but the first time I met him, he told me that he thought my name was Mick Weaver at first for Mc, some reason. Mick Weaver? And then he ta- he had this conversation with me um, about, like, what I wanted to do and what I wanted to accomplish. And he told me, you know, like, try to take some college classes and stuff. And then a few months went by, and I was, like, staying overtime trying to get shit done for him. Yeah. And he was like, if you're staying late, work on yourself, not on the the project. And I was like, okay. So I started doing that. And, um, you know, uh, like, he just kept, like, grooming me to be a better person overall. And, uh... I, I met with him every single fucking day, every day, um, and I told him, you know, 
I, I feel like this is kind of bullshit. And he's like, what's that? And it's like, my job. I'm doing stuff that an HM3 definitely is not qualified to do. Yeah. Like, I am working far above, above my pay grade right now. Working with, like, Navy finances and, like, getting contracts and shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I... It's overwhelming to me. And he's like, you'll be rewarded for it. And I got a medal for it, which is stupid. But I got a medal for it. Um, Commander Taylor, though, uh, he just kept pressing me to better myself as an individual. And um, when I was walking around the hospital taking care of business, I ran into the admiral, two-star admiral, one time. Yeah. And he was like, he he knew who I was, not based of off of my uniform. He spotted me from twenty feet away. There's no way he could see what my rank was at that time. Mm-hmm. He knew who I was as an individual because of Commander Taylor. Yeah. And Commander Taylor was like, dude, I've got this kid working for me. His name's HM3 Weaver. He's he's a fucking bulldog. Yeah. Is what he said. Yeah. And uh, the admiral told me this. He's like, what do you mean? He's like. I give him a task, and he'll fucking stay here until 10 o'clock at night, until it's done. It's nuts. The Admiral stopped me and told me to stop doing that. Really? Yeah. Wow. And um, and then he started calling me McWeaver because it was a reference to MacGyver. Okay. Instead of, like, he's like, I thought your name was McWeaver at first, but I'm just going to call you that because you're like MacGyver. You find a way to get shit done. That's a good, that's that I'd take that. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I, I took that as a compliment, but, um, yeah, I mean like it was really a direction and life changing experience for me to meet this guy. If, if not for him, I'd probably still be in the Navy cause I'm not going to lie. I was afraid to get out. It's like, what the fuck am I going to do? Yeah. But by the time it came for me to get out, I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is the path I'm going to follow. I just need to fucking go for it. Right. And without that man's influence, I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. It's crazy how one person can make such an impact. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's some incredible, incredible leaders out there that. All you washed up high school athletes. Fuck you. And imagine like he's the culmination of the mentors he had. So like exactly the people, the, if there's anyone like people I listening, I would love to meet the guys that he was mentored by. Yeah. The people that listen, it's so important to find mentors in your life for everything. Like for me, for example, climbing and shooting, I knew you were way better at. So I asked you to show me how to do it. Right. Because for me, I can go on YouTube and I can look up all these videos, but in the end, I would rather, like, if I wanted to go, if I want to learn how to effectively kill somebody and, and dismember a body, I go talk to Brian next door. Right. You know what I mean? Like, seek right. out seek out the experience. Don't worry, you guys. Um, I'm not giving away last names. He's uh, a Navy SEAL. He's not a murderer. Yeah, and his real name isn't even Brian. Yeah. Uh, I was just told to use that name when referencing him because he's still active duty. Yeah. But, yeah, like, uh, he's not a criminal. He's a Navy SEAL. Um, but yeah, like if, if we wanted to know how to do that, that's the guy we would go talk to for sure. Yeah. Or it's just with anything 
for me, my perspective is if I find something interesting and if money wasn't an option, I would hire the best possible mentor so that I could get as much out of it as I can. Absolutely. Um, if you're going to learn how to skydive, hire the best. The best. That's what Will Smith does all the time. He's like, I want to do this. Let's hire the best. Let's be around him all the time uh, right. to get in the mind of it. Bodybuilding the same way. I want to be a great bodybuilder. I'm not going to read online. I'm going to go pick the minds of the, and that's why I love the podcast. I can pick the minds of the greats to make right. my own perspective to right. pass on. Right. Um, and yeah, it, it just get a mentor for all those listening who like feel lost or like have no idea where you want to go. Listen to the advice you're given because a lot of the times it's, it's just planting a seed that'll grow into something. You have, you no, have idea. no idea. Like, right. Yeah. Like, like me, commander Taylor was like, well, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do at the time. I fucking hated working on the medical surgical unit. I'm not even going to lie. It was a pain in the fucking dick to do that until I got picked up for the point, the, um, the, uh, yeah, another one. Um, until I got picked up for the, the position I got picked up for. But when I was like throwing all this overtime, in to the job this man looked at me and was like the job's not worth it work on yourself and i was like what does that look like and he was like i don't know exactly how that looks like for you but this is what it would look like for me and so i worked i, I worked towards that and um that that's honestly what you need to do man you, you need to find somebody that's going to sit you down and shoot straight with you and tell you like, um, don't work on this, work on yourself, or this is what you want to do. Let me show you how to accomplish this in a more streamlined way. Don't make the mistakes I made. Don't run around in circles like I did. Because right now, for me, um, if it, uh, where I'm at in my life, if I could go back as myself right now to two years ago, I would have told myself, use the GI Bill, stay in school um, full-time, even yeah. maybe time and a half, get these classes knocked out. Because right now, I would be making forty to 60000 a year. Right. But at the same time, I'll, I'll counter you. I'll be devil as the advocate. That time you spent not doing that built character and discipline that carries over into easier school now or a different experience now. True. Well, it's, definitely a different experience. Yeah. But maybe not easier school. I don't know. Just, just how you deal with it because your bullshit tolerance is so much higher than the average college student that they're going and being like, this is so much. This is overwhelming. Whereas you're like, I'm doing this. I'm fucking done though. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I'm done with this. I'm going to keep doing it because it's what I want to do. But that discipline, I'm not only, like freaking out about it. Right. It comes with experience. That's why I think going, like going through four years of experience and then going to college versus going to college and four years of experience, you're in the same fucking spot at the end. It's only your perce perception that's different. Yeah. Um, for sure. So I think experience is so fucking ex important. It's fundamental. Yeah. Oh Yeah. But it's looked down upon if you draw if you go right out of high school and go do something for a time, right? And you're like, oh, you didn't go to college, but then they get out of college, they're like, I can't get a job. I better go get experience. 
You're both yeah, eight now years they're in. they're at ex- externships. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. The, the, the difference is the person who went through the experience first found the reason they want to go to college. They found the reason. And therefore, it, it's driven. It's like a goal. And, and in a lot of ways, I prefer um, going through the experience to find what I wanted to do. Wanted to do. Or I'm obviously starting to slur my words a little bit, but um, that comes with the podcast, yeah. as everyone knows. Um, I'm starting to get a little bit of facial droop going on. Uh, I, I just feel the sweat from the freaking heat. Yeah, the, I mean, the heat's starting to get to me for sure, but fuck it. It's like 95 degrees in here. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a kick-ass air conditioning system, but... This room isn't affected by it because I've got the swamp cooler on outside and it's telling the air conditioner not to turn on. Wasn't included in the plan. Not in this room. Nope. Um, anyway, what the fuck was I talking about? Just uh, experience. Uh, so, like, when I started off and I was working at Five North in Balboa Naval Hospital, I was like, fuck this, dude. I don't want to do this. And then um, I had nurses there, Ensign Aguilar, Ensign Gibbons, Ensign Ott, uh, Gaffney, all sit down and explain to me certain procedures or lab values or why we were doing something for a patient. And I was like, okay, I understand. Yeah. And that changed my whole perspective on those certain things. And then I worked with Commander Taylor. And he was like, work on yourself, not on the project. Your project time is from 7 in the morning till 5 at night, period. And I was like, okay. So I have my project time. And um, without that experience, I wouldn't have known that I wanted to be a nurse practitioner. Right. And so that gave me the the goal to aim for getting out of the military, even though I was 27, I'm like, I know exactly where the fuck I want to go. Right. Versus you get a lot of 18 year olds that are in college and they come in and they're this like, is what I'm supposed to do. They're like, this is the next step, I guess. And I did that too. Yeah. Like right out of high school, I was like, I guess I'll go to Salt Lake community college because I don't know what it, what else to do right i'll take some general ed classes and hopefully figure it out and these people they'll take these general ed classes and get exposed to a bunch of shit which is fine yeah but then they'll be like okay i took this one single class that was a total of maybe 40 hours of my life yeah this is what i want to do yeah and then they start pr- pursuing a degree in that. Right. That's not right. Yeah, I don't think so either. That that's not right at all. I want to give you. I want to get your perspective on this. Um, like with kids, like I'll give you an example. My perspective on it would be for my kids. I want to have like sixty grand set aside per kid. Yeah. And say easily, this, this is your college fund. But when you get out of high school, I want you to spend four years exploring. I want you to experience, I want you to do things, I want you to go, if you want to go to college right now, that's fine. But what I want you to do is I want you to pursue what you Figure, think. like pursue interests and figure it out. Yeah, and then after that, after four years, I do want you to go to college, but 
understand that I want you to experience enough to get an idea of what you want. Right. And so the caveat that comes with that is um, if you're going to tell them that, you need to be willing to support them for those four years. Right. But you also have to tell them at the end of these four years, you either are pursuing something you want to do. Yeah. Or I'm not supporting you. Right? Yeah. Because, I mean, a lot of, I, I can see a lot of kids nowadays taking that and going like, oh, fuck, dude, I don't have to worry about anything. Right. For sure. And, and like getting their $15, $16 an hour job and working and just hanging out with their friends and partying and not like actually figuring out what they want to do. But if they know there's a fucking drop dead date where you're like, okay, you're either in college or pursuing something that you want to do and I'll continue to support you financially or you're on your own. See, I wouldn't even, I don't even think I'd do that for my personal perception. I would, cause I'm very, I, I mean, you know this, I'm very entrepreneurial in yeah. all of my ideas. Right. I, I want my kids, I'm going to be like, okay, you're going to take out a loan from the bank of dad for $500. And by the end of the summer, I want to see 750. And if you get that 750, that's yours to keep. And to just slowly reward this this growing money so that they don't have to be financially reliant. But I do want them to experience, like I know all your friends are going to co- go to college right out of high school. You're gonna you may want to do that, but at the same time, if you want to go explore and do the things that you want to do, right, do that. And and I'm here for you, but understand that those four years are very temporary and keep reminding them like three years left, two years left. What are you going to do? Um, yeah. And I, I, I really do believe life experience without question guides everybody. It's um, like a good wheel of cheese. It has to mature. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have chosen cheese, but okay. I would have said like a cask of wine or bourbon. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm from Idaho. I live right next to a cheese refinery. My That's bad. <laughs> unfortunate. It probably smells terrible. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I can see where you're coming from. But at the at the same time, I think it's good to make the child in a position where they can explore financially. Yeah. Speaking, I'm gonna go take a piss. Okay. Let's pause it. Pausing three. Two, one. I don't either. We're back and we don't remember what we were talking about. I remember I said I had to take a piss and that was about 20 minutes ago. Yep. So we and were talking about travel and... We're, I'm five beers deep and uh, probably about th- three shots. I have no idea. We have alcohol in our system. Lots of it. It's in our blood. Lots of it. I cannot drive right now. I know now. I was rambling on about Commander Taylor and how great of a human being he is. <clears throat> yep. Um, going on about leadership and mentorship. And then I uh, started talking to my wife about our upcoming trip to Yellowstone. Got Caden involved in the trip to Yellowstone. Yeah. And the world is spinning right now. It's a good area. Yeah. The people up there are so nice. Like, that's the one thing I like about that region of the world is that they're so, it's not colonized enough where it's still spread out where people enjoy themselves, like they enjoy each other. It's not you walk down the street and it's like, fuck you. No, fuck you. Yeah. 
Yeah. Speaking of which, the McDonald's. I'll I'll talk about the McDonald's trip I had. I went to McDonald's. Oh, a yeah. Like normally I don't even get breakfast, but I was like, you know what? Damn it! I want a uh, sausage uh, McMuffin and some hash browns from yeah. McDonald's. So I I go in the line and there's this fat old dude in this Dodge Durango and uh, this classic. This lady in front of me ordering something else, and they both pull forward at the same time. And the guy just straight up like magnetizes to the other dude's bumper. He's like, I'm not letting you in, bitch. And she rolls down her window. She's like, hey, I ordered first. He's like, no, I ordered first. And they just start arguing about it. And like, I fucking love it, dude. And he's so American. So he backs up to let her in. And then she's like, no, motherfucker, blah, blah. And so then he pulls back forward. He's like, fine, I ordered first. And I was, I was rolling down the window to be like, figure this shit out. Because they were holding up both of the lines, and I was actually really hungry. And finally, they pull up to the thing. They pull past. I get up to the lady at the thing, and I'm like, were they fighting? And she's like, oh, I don't know if they were fighting, but he ended up paying for her meal. I was like, yeah, they were yelling at each other who went first. And the guy was like so adamant that he ordered first, and he just cut her off and went up to the thing. (laughs) And uh, like... All of that order some bless America. Some fucking breakfast sandwiches. People were screaming at each other. Like, I went first. No, I did. <laughs> it's just so funny. Uh, I could just imagine like their fucking jowls like shaking while they're yelling at each other. Oh, the like, old man was pissed. He was like, motherfucker, I ordered first. Like he was pulling for it. And I was like looking at it and laughing. I was like actually laughing out loud because i thought it was so ridiculous that these two grown adults were fighting over breakfast fucking a mcmuffin sandwich a two second wait yeah a two second literally wait. Uh, they should have stop and go lights for the competency of these americans like all these people around here like green oh i can go now instead we have to leave it you up know to what's their gonna minds. happen what that's gonna happen i hope so then They're going to have fucking traffic lights at fucking drive-thrus now. Yeah. For, like, the double drive-thrus. I'd almost prefer to just to sit in the fucking long-ass line at a single teller. A single one. Why not do that? Because they never take the orders at the same time. They, like, do alternate things, and then it creates a traffic jam at a fucking fast food restaurant. It's the last thing I want to think about is traffic at a fast food place. Wendy's doesn't do that. You have the one line. Go through it or don't. <laughs> like, <laughs> McDonald's is like two. We can't even manage this. Imagine what they're like in China. Mm. They have like a 16 lane, 16 lane McDonald's. You all pull into your thing and it's like, okay, pull forward. Like, oh my God, I can't even imagine. Or India. <laughs> oh, fuck. So I saw somebody um, one time. Uh, drew a circle on a global map mm-hmm. and that like encompassed uh, China and most of India and like just like that Southeast Pacific region in general. And they were like, there are more people living inside of this circle than out of it. Shit. Can That's... you fucking imagine? No. Here's something crazy. Do you know you can fit the entirety of everyone in the world in Texas and yes. each give them a house and one acre. Yes. And have enough room. That's yes. crazy. That's yes. bizarre. You you know what that says to me though? What? We have a the ability 
to consolidate humanity. Yeah. If we wouldn't fucking fight each other. Yeah. We could use half of what's left of the United States for agricultural production to feed all of these people and let the world heal itself. Imagine if cities didn't exist and we were all dispersed nice and like everyone had five or six acres nice and spread out. You have some breathing space for yourself and your family. And grew your own food. Tension would calm down. You wouldn't have to do as much fucking construction in the cities because there isn't any. It's all spread out nice and even. And you have the internet. Like, why not? Why do you have to go to a meeting in an office building when you can get on a Skype call nowadays and get work fucking done? Like, you you have space. We'll get there. I think we'll get there eventually, especially next generation. Because now, like, our generation understands what it means. How fucking ridiculous it is. How stupid it is. Yeah. Like, I, honestly, I live, I think I live on like an eighth of an acre. I don't know. I don't know how big my fucking lot is. It's but probably I'm, about an acre and a half. No, not my lot. You don't think so? Oh, fuck no, dude. You don't think it's at least one? No. No. Um, you can check on Zillow. It'll tell you. Let's look. All right. Let's, I'll, I'll pull it up. Um, but I am a big fan of uh, going... Everyone just moving into the, like, Texas region, having an acre to themselves, um, outside of the farmers that would have to grow all of the food that would choose to live outside of the area. Right. And letting the rest of the world fucking heal itself. Yeah. Like, like let it return to jungle and shit, you know? I'm not too worried about it. I, I wouldn't be, like, I would be fine with that fucking arrangement. Are you kidding me? I guess that's uh, taking, that's not taking into account, like, uh, commodities, like, grocery stores or, like, shopping centers and stuff. Right. But, I mean, at an acre a person, oh. you don't really need that. And even if you put that in... And consolidated it to a few like select places. You probably wouldn't use that much space anyway, right? You know, yeah. Like like Chicago's a huge fucking city, right? If you gave every single person of Chicago one acre, and then consolidated the business and like shopping sector of Chicago down to like a small area and combined yeah. it with that of New York, it probably wouldn't actually be that big. Right. Yeah, probably not. Too. And you could build these like skyscrapers as monuments to fucking consumerism. Okay, so you're on point two acres. Yeah. See, like I'm. I told you I wasn't on an acre. Right. And like I still have quite a bit of land in my mind. Yeah. I'm on twenty percent of an acre, and I still have quite a bit of land, like enough to where I feel comfortable. I couldn't imagine having one one acre, you know. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, you could consolidate all the shopping malls and bullshit down into like a fucking monument to consumerism and build a giant skyscraper like the, uh, fucking, what do you call it? Uh, Hancock Tower in Chicago where most of it's fucking, uh, business related. So this might surprise you. I don't want to say this over the podcast, but you can look at this at your... Let's see. Estimate value. 
Really? Now look underneath and you have the projected one year after sitting on it. Like you're in a good spot for sure. A 10% increase is not bad. Well, that's $100,000 more than what we bought the property for. Exactly. Right now. And that's just projected value. This has nothing to do. This is the last uh, appraisal that you've received. So if you've done work to the property, it's worth more than that. I haven't done any work to the property. I can't afford it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to like jerry-rig fucking electrical outlets together to get my fucking sprinklers to work, man. Like I, I can't afford that shit. I can't even afford. Yeah. So if I'm on two point two, yep, tenths of an acre, and you're occupying one room of my house, how much property do you have for your money? Uh, I don't know. What would that be? Three hundred fifty square feet. What in there? Let's call it by uh, so a ten ha- by twenty plus a bathroom. It's 200. So your place. Yeah, probably about 350. So, I mean, it's this is definitely not a small house. You're 2,700 square feet almost. That's pretty damn sizable. Um, That's right. I have a sugar mama, you guys. Yeah, I'm not working. That. I'm going to school. My wife is paying for fucking everything because she's a saint. And, yeah, deal with it. That's what Cody always tells me. He's like, I want a sugar mama, dude. It's nice. He's like, I don't I care. can pursue my goals and relatively not have to worry. I mean, money's tight for us. Don't get me wrong. Like, we like we are fucking living by a thread here. But uh, once I get out of school, we'll be fine. Dude, let me tell you about Jason. Jason was a guy I worked with at Best Buy who was in his okay. 40s. Okay. He was in his 40s. He used to be a police... He was really high up. He'd been a police officer for 20 years in Las Vegas. Marries a wife who is a baby. Like, I don't know what the term is, but she delivers babies. Surgeon. wife. So she's a surgeon. She made like 600 grand a year. Nice. And he's like, I don't know what I'm doing, dude. He had like that Southern accent. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing, dude. Honestly, my wife makes all the money. She says, Jason, go out and do what you want. So I'm working at Best Buy right now, but I'll tell you what. I want to be a park ranger. He's like, I want to be a park ranger. (laughs) And just seeing, like, he was still a kid, but he was in his 40s. Yeah. And I was like, that's my spirit animal. That's exactly what I want to be. He'd been a cop for 20 years, and he still is a kid. It's fucking great. I love you, Jason Bentley. So his his wife wasn't um, a midwife. She was an obstetrician. Yes, that's what it was. She made a lot of money. That's all I know. Yeah, obstetricians and gynecologists makes make a fuck ton of money. It's such a niche field. I mean, like really, you're only seeing people when they need you, when they need you, and they need you because they have another life form growing inside of them. Or plastic surgery. That's a good way to go too. Yeah. For the money, sixteen years of school, but. You know what? Like, when people hear plastic surgery, they think of like big fake tits or like tummy tucks, you know, plastic surgeons. I mean, that is probably a majority of what they do nowadays. But one of my friends, he's dead now, um, died from unknown causes. He just went to sleep and didn't wake up. 
It was thanks to a plastic surgeon that he was able to live a normal life after his accident. Yeah. Um, he got rear-ended by a semi-truck, uh, crushed half of his face, um, like just a horrific amount of damage. And uh, he, he um, went through a bunch of emergency surgery just to maintain his airway. And then he went through several surgeries after that based off of a high school photograph of him to reconstruct his face. Yeah. Facial reconstruction is very, and, very powerful. And he looked he looked like Spencer. You know, he looked like Spencer. He was a little it was a little different, but he but looked like you could like, tell. Yeah. He looked like Spencer. And so these plastic surgeons, man, like I know a lot of people give him shit, but they they were life-changing for him. And, I mean, a whole other slew of shit happened to him from that accident. He became addicted to opioids, and he overcame that. And, like, you know, we ultimately, I, at least I don't know. The family might know, but um, we don't know what actually took his life. You know, it could have been, uh, like, residual from the opioid addiction or whatever, but... Uh, they they made him able to be part of normal society again. So I really respect those guys. They really are, yeah. And there's so many different like niches of plastic surgery too. Right. Like when you go into it, you literally specialize in like breast augmentation or facial reconstruction or whatever it is. And even during residency, you're making over two hundred grand, which is crazy, because the demand is there, but not enough people. Because it is, it does have the stigma of just being like, oh, you want to get big tits? There you go. Yeah. There's your guy. Yeah, but you have like um, plastic surgeons for hands. <laughs> yeah. Faces, you know. Yeah. It really, it's crazy. Like we live in that time where that's a, a profession and that's really cool. Like even for me, like I've gone to, pla I've gone to a plastic surgeon uh, before due to my uh, performance enhancing drugs. When the estrogen builds up, it forms what's called gynecomastia and you have to, like, there's no way to shrink it. You have to get it removed. You have to get the whole gland removed. So, right. um, it's one of those things and it's not treated as a I, normal. I have that just cause I'm fat. Well, yeah, but like when you lose all the fat, uh, a lot of it is, and they told me that too, because I had a mammogram and I'm not even going to lie. I had a mammogram and everything. They told me the majority of it was fat tissue. Um, but at the same time, it's one of those things that if you, if you do performance enhancing drugs too long, the estrogen and testosterone balance when they're equalizing can kind of become out of whack and therefore you get like breast tissue and it's like substantial and you don't think it's a big deal, but it creates like a mental insecurity for a lot of people. Right. I got right. to a point where I was like, I don't give a fuck. I'll take, I don't care. But for a lot of people, it becomes a, a, a thing of like, I don't feel myself depressive, whatever. Um, they play their role. It sucks. Insurance agencies don't see the same way because if you get your face burned off and you have They'll to pay for it, right? And depend, they may even fight you on it because it's like, well, it doesn't affect your but livability. Why were you in a situation that burnt your face off? Well, it's yeah. like it doesn't affect your livability, so like it's just it's just for your own 
it's it's only so you feel good. So why why should we pay for it? You've been paying us your whole life, but if it makes you feel good and that's it, oh fuck you. Like, right? It, it's very interesting how that works. I had to fight. Insurance would not cover it. They would not cover it. Um, what the removal? Yeah, the removal of it. It's about a seven grand surgery, so I was like, I might as well try. Well, I I think within a couple of years you'll be able to get the surgery if you want it. Yeah, and it, it really only becomes apparent if you get to a low body fat percentage because you can see the circle. And I can kind of see that on you sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, and but, I'm not trying to be rude. No, it's, it's definitely not. I definitely I, know it is too. Like this I, whole I, I just don't say anything about it. This whole thing right here is breast tissue. Yeah. And I, I the only way to do that, one I could eat better. That would if my diet, because it inflames, it's like a cell, right? It's like a muscle right, cell. Right. When you work out, the muscle cell gets bigger. When you stop working out, they just shrink. It's the same thing with breast tissue. If I were to eat properly, this would shrink to almost the size of a pea. So it wouldn't be that big. It wouldn't be that big at all. It'd probably be like the smaller than the size of a quarter. You would not be able to tell. Um, but the more I accumulate body fat, it actually just attaches to the breast tissue. Yeah. yeah. So, and it doesn't bother me because I'm not like actively trying to pursue a bodybuilding career or anything like that. You're not self-conscious about it either. It doesn't sound like. No, I used to be a lot, but I know what I need to do to make it go away. Um, and that's a huge, that's a huge part of the equation for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I, I can tell, I don't say anything about it because I know about it. Right. Um, and I'm not going to point it out. Like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Especially in the age where people are like, um, I'm a man or I'm a woman and I was born the opposite gender and it's more socially acceptable to come out as that now instead of living in a life of fucking depression and fucking anxiety and right and stuff like that. Like, I, I don't care. You, you made choices that had that side effect for you. Yeah. And I know that if you really want it taken care of, you're going to you're going to do it. Right. So exactly. Yeah. It, it comes down to like, and everyone has it to a certain extent, like the breast tissue. And oh men, yeah. Yeah. In, sure. in men, it exists. Like you'll have, that, that's why men have nipples period. Is right. Because like it's the, the tissue is there, but I've done things in my life, performance enhancing drugs, androgenic and anabolic, as well as uh, cannabinoids. Like weed does make gyno worse. That's just a fact. Really? That is a scientific fact. I did not know that. Um, so, you know, know, I know the position that I'm in and what I need to do to solve that. Uh, but at the same time, it's not a big of a like, self-conscious thing. Like once you get the gland removed, that's it. It can't grow back. That's just how it is. So, yeah, of course. So, you know, if I think in my mind like seven grand can solve that problem, that's nothing in the long term. Seven grand in, – in reality, seven grand is like literally nothing. It, it really is. And that's fucking crazy to think about because if you were to rewind 200 years – Oh, fuck, yeah. Seven grand, like – You're living in a mansion. You have a nice suit and a top hat. And, and, and I, I don't want to sound – like barbaric or racist here but literally if you were rewound um uh, 200 years seven grand you're on a plantation yeah huge house and you have slaves like Mm -hmm. 
and and that's fucking horrible, but that that's the fucking truth. Yeah, that's like, just what it was. Like if you were two hundred years ago, seven grand in New York without slaves, you'd be fucking in Queens with a house that is bigger than the one I currently live in. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy. It's a uh, and that's wealth that would have lasted your family generations. You know, and I want to give you this perspective. I want to get your opinion on this. When I started getting into the physical therapy, it seems like a lot or not physical therapy, I'm sorry, uh, personal training. Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of the business is driven by the business of making people feel insecure about themselves in the first place. I can see that. And that's taught in the literature. It's like taught that more and more people are becoming insecure about themselves. Therefore they turn to personal training as a career. They're like, Oh, this is a great place. It's going to be job security, blah, blah, blah. But how much of it has to do with making people feel insecure about themselves in the first place? So Um, my question to you is, um, with you pursuing a career in that, yeah. Are you willing to do that to other people? Am I willing to do what? Make them feel insecure about themselves. No, no. absolutely not. My perception is I want to make people feel good about their situation. No matter like if they already feel insecure, I want them to walk away feeling like empowered, not just in their body looking better, but I want them walking away saying like, I can go to my job and now I can believe that I can accomplish that. Because I did, I made my body look better. Therefore, I can make my life look better in the same principle. Okay. That I, that's what I want more than anything, the long term. I want people to realize... You want to see life changes out of people. Yeah, I want to see lifestyle changes. I want, I want somebody... I want some fat motherfucker, 400 pounds, to come up to me and be like, I want to train. And then train them and go away and say, like, my relationship with my wife and kids are better. My relationship with just my community and the people I talk to is better. That's what I want more than anything. Okay. Um, and having achieved that to some extent, like just extending that from what I've learned is gratifying as shit. So you know Cody better than me. Yeah. I'm going to reach a little bit into that life. I'm not trying to take a jab at him or anything. No, go for it. He wouldn't care. How do you think he would uh, be as a client? Um, receptive. So he's very, um, look, he's lost 18 pounds in two weeks. He's, uh, it's fucking amazing. Like he stopped drinking alcohol. He dropped to a thousand calories a day. He's like, I'm doing this. He does intermittent fasting. I've given him like, and I've, I'm, I'm very boisterous. Even if I offend people at work, I'm like, look, people, how that- do you offend people at work by being boisterous? You're, I'll be like, look, you I work th- with a bunch of deaf people. Well, in my department, they all hear. So I'm like, look, I think people who eat breakfast are stupid. Like, I'll I'll be blatant with it. And if they're eating breakfast, they're like, God, I'm kind of offended by that. But then I'll come back and I'll practice it for a while. And they're like, oh, shit, he's kind of getting in shape or he's getting more in shape. Same at NTO. Right. Like, I would go between being skinny and then getting ripped. And then Kyle Reck would be like, dude, how do your arms go from being really small to really big? And then I would tell him that and I would see changes in his life. And that was like orgasmic. Like the, the, the teaching. The I'm sorry, man. You've never seen a single change in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but it would just be uh, because he would ask about it like that. And you've related even like with shooting or climbing or whatever. Right. But when somebody genuinely has the interest, they see you do it and then they ask you about it. Right. Right. That is so gratifying to me. And uh, 
like when I see somebody pull off a move in climbing that they've been struggling with for a long time, yeah, I get a fucking hard on over it. When I see someone hit bullseye at 15 yards and they've been struggling to like just like grasp fundamentals, yeah, I get a fucking hard on over it for sure. Right. Yeah, there's something about that. It's wanting to leave the legacy. Who the hell's barking? Is that Uzi? I can't tell. I can't tell either. I like, think it's all of them. Got some howling going on. Let me go check real quick. Well, I mean, Should we wrap it up? I apparently the sound dampening um, pads are working fantastically. Yeah. Is that you barking, buddy? Lay down, huh? I know one of them was Nibbler. Uzi likes to howl. He's a howler. There was some howling going on, but obviously the the sound foam is working well. Yeah, it works really well. I didn't even know Liz's dad was over. Really? When, when, or, earlier before, I was just so zoned in. I thought you guys were just kind of like chatting out there, and then you told me he was over. Like, I didn't even know. Yep. It works pretty well. Liz's dad is a fantastic human. I only met him once. He seems so nice, like genuine. Yeah, he really is. He is like one of the best people I've ever met, man. Like, I don't know. Um, but I can only feel about half of my face right now. Yeah, so, the tingles? Yeah. I got that too. I I don't know if we should wrap it up. I mean, we're pushing the three-hour three hours. mark. Yeah, let's um, wrap it up. Yeah, let's fucking call Let's it wrap it up and put it under the fucking christmas tree um this has been another episode of cheap shot discussions brought to you by anchor.fm if you want to get a hold of us anchor.fm is a great way to do it cheap shot discussions at gmail.com is another good way to do it um anchor.fm allows us to publish all of our uh content to multiple sites without the use without us doing it on on our own they take care of it for us yeah it's a free service um they have an app you can record blah 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 you probably heard this at the beginning of the podcast but i'm just going to reiterate it because you know i'm yeah yeah and uh you know when recording this we understand that there's not a lot of people listening now my my uh context to it is that creating a platform where there's enough content and people will hopefully go back and listen and we want to you know i want to get a patreon if we get two thousand viewers and you each contribute one dollar a month it goes so far into producing this and making it better making it more consistent making it like getting the guests on absolutely we get the cash up the content quality goes up and uh yeah, that's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah, we'll man. be able to hire somebody um, to deal with this shit for us. But uh, we get ten thousand viewers and uh, one dollar each. You know, I might have to reconsider my career path. <laughs> I won't. Yeah, I won't. What no. if it jumped up to? Let's say we get two hundred thousand and they each contribute one. So I'd get a hundred thousand dollars a month. I might reconsider, but. I'm pretty passionate about the path I'm on. Yeah, it it just make you a little bit more like you wouldn't have to worry about the money part of it. That'd be a good thing. Right. So donate your all your money. Give us all your money. <laughs> I want you to empty out your bank accounts. <laughs> Don't fucking do that. Don't listen to him. <laughs> um, 
just uh yeah if i mean sp- spread us around like butter if you like us spread us around like butter tell i really friends, think we should do that qr tell your wife tell your kids whatever yeah i think we should do the qr code uh on the cards idea. That's such a good idea. I'm, I'm down, dude. Just leave it in random places. I'll, I will just straight up drop those at gas stations when I stop to fill up because I'm driving all the fucking time. Yeah. Yeah. That would be so interesting to see if the viewership went up just by like classified information. Just a barcode. Like just a QR code. <laughs> People are like, what the fuck is this? So, um... Yeah, thanks for listening. If you're out there, thank you. If you're not, fuck you. Um, We've only had one guest to date. I'm going to try to get some other people on. Hopefully, we can get Marin on. Uh, Cheap Shot Discussions. This has been Caden in Dallas. Signing off, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.